Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome all you creepy crawlies to the 2008 edition of... 2008? 2018 <laughs> Halloween edition of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. It's so creepy. We've traveled back in time. <laughs> I am Taylor of Terror. Uh, this is going to be the culmination where we close the book on Octoberama, guys. Finally. It's been a long five <laughs> weeks. We've been so busy. So busy. <laughs> like, so busy... That I almost want to cry. (laughs) (laughs) And between this and, uh, you know, getting ready for the film fest, watching all those shorts, plus getting ready for our Halloween party, which is going to be tonight. Yeah. It's been a mess. I mean, and you have vacation. And I went on vacation. uh, And I've been just fucking nuts at work. Just so crazy. Because, you know, I'm relocating to a new new office. And so I got to get everything uh, organized and ready for that. And, yeah, it's been... A nightmare and like i was telling you i don't remember if i said this on the last episode or not but like this october has been rough for me <laughs> like usually i'm just like so go with the halloween spirit and this year it's just not happening uh and i think it has a lot to do with the fact that i haven't gone on vacation yeah like since last year could be and you know our uh, our vacations usually are so uh Halloween oriented right that not having that to kind of boost my spirit and you know kind of kick off the season for me just uh yeah made things a little slow yeah what are you gonna do yeah fuck it tonight's it's Halloween it's here we're going all out yeah um yeah so what are you doing on Halloween I don't know yet I might go see Evil Dead 2 at Central Cinema Oh yeah, yeah, but I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm for sure watching Trick or Treat. Then I might just like go out to a bar and look at people's costumes. Yeah, that's what we usually do. You know, this is gonna be our second year in the house, and last year we were so excited that uh, you know we weren't gonna be in an apartment for the first time, and we might actually have trick or treaters, so we could actually hand out candy. And my wife especially was super excited about that. Um, and uh, came and went. We bought this. Big ass bowl of candy, or you know, candy, and filled up a big ass bowl with it. And um, we had like maybe ten trick or treaters through the entire night. That's disappointing. It was, and it's like I'm worried it's going to happen again. We didn't even buy candy. Like we had, the other night, we we're like, should we even bother? <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see. I guess. Yeah, you better get some full size candy bars. Yeah, that's what kids expect these days. Right. Entitled little snowflakes. Little shits. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I know we're gonna be hanging out at home regardless. Um, I mean, especially during the week, I don't really like to go out on home. Yeah, because um, I got to work the next day. Yeah, that's gonna be my first full day in our new office. Oh, really? Yeah. So I gotta get my 
my rest so I can make sure everything runs smoothly. <laughs> Get your affairs in order. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing in this upcoming week up until that day. Just making sure it's like everybody knows. It's like, okay, I'm not going to be here anymore. So if you want me, call me or email me. Um, anyway, but yeah, we'll be hanging at home watching probably Hocus Pocus and Trick or Treat. I think that's going to be our... That's our Central Cinema is also showing Hocus Pocus, but it starts at 7. 7? Yeah. Who wants to go to a movie at 7? Nobody. <sighs> Unless you're doing the double header, I guess, but... Sure. That's like right after work. And... That's a weird combination. It's right? Hocus Pocus and Evil Dead 2. Anyway. Um, cool. So, yeah. Uh, we're having our Halloween party tonight. That should be pretty hype. Word. Uh, we got some jello shots going. Hell yeah. Got some re- uh, reagent jello shots going. Yeah. Brought to us by the homicidal homemaker. Yeah. Thank you, Casey. Yeah. Um, I mean, she didn't make them for us, but. Thank you for posting that recipe on your website. I actually took some uh, creative liberties with it because her recipe calls for unflavored gelatin and flavored vodka. Instead, I used flavored like jello and regular vodka. So you rebel. Yeah. I'm thinking it'll still work out though. Fucking better. (laughs) Cause she says she uses a rainbow sherbet flavored, uh, vodka and i used lime jello yeah sure yeah anyway neat i mean you know serve them late enough everyone's already drunk doesn't matter yeah bring them out like at the end of the night when everybody thinks they're oh by the way (laughs) you gotta try these shots before you drive (laughs) (laughs) there's actually not all that much booze in them yeah so i mean i know like some people like just like really strong jello shots where it's like all you can taste is the booze and that's just not what's going on here <laughs> i made some good flavors though made them up myself well two of them the, uh got the reagent which is casey's and then i've got hellfire which is strawberry and fireball whiskey i know both you and my wife both kind of tilted your head at that one but i think it's gonna work out we'll see um and then black death which is uh, it's Kraken rum and cherry. That one sounds good. That's probably going to be popular. Yeah. Anyway, that's probably going to be the one that's getting the most fucked up because Kraken is dangerous. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so we have two Halloween movies for you. Yeah, not about. just Halloween themed movies. Halloween movies. Right. Somehow in five years, we've never talked about a single Halloween that's movie. That's so weird. I've, maybe we've... Maybe just in, like, at least in my subconscious, it just felt like it was too obvious. I think that's exactly the case. Um, I mean, I guess I knew it was coming eventually. But just, I mean, you know, this year, since there's a new one, we kind of got to. Yeah. So we did uh, cover the, the brand new Halloween that just came out, um, as well as... What the fuck is that? Oh. So we knocking on my goddamn door. Um, and... Uh, Halloween 3. Halloween 3. Season of the Witch. I find it interesting that you picked that one and not like the first Halloween or Rob Zombie's Halloween. Like we get asked about it so much that I feel like it's good to get it out of the way. Fair enough. All right. Anyway. um, So why don't we just jump into those? Because I got something I want to say. Okay. Well, I thought you were going to bring it up. Oh, right. Of course. Yes. Yeah. We're not doing horror business this episode, but uh, we we would be remiss, and we can't wait a week to talk about this uh, LeBron James rebooting Friday the 13th thing. This sounds like a nightmare. Um, 
not because of LeBron. No, like a lot of people, I mean, like the the gut reaction is just be like, LeBron James, what the fuck? Yeah, fuck him. But I mean, if all he's doing is writing checks, the guy's got plenty of money to write checks. Yeah. And, but I mean, that's the thing. Is he going to, will he write a check and back off? The fact that he says he's such a big Jason Voorhees fan makes me scared. Yeah. He says he's a big Jason Voorhees fan in the same post where he's wearing a fucking dollar store hockey mask and spelling Voorhees wrong. Yeah. And, he said he made a post where uh, I'll I can't give a direct quote because I don't have it pulled up, but I'll paraphrase where he says I don't understand how they always be wa- uh, running. Did he not say that? It's something like that. It was but... just very poor grammar. Uh, I don't know. But basically, his his point was that people run and Jason walks and he catches them. Yeah, and he doesn't understand it. Like, well, LeBron. The fact that you don't understand it, maybe that maybe you're not the person to be involved with this. Yeah, like, like I said, the fact that he, uh, um, the fact that he says he's such a big Jason fan makes me think he's going to want to be creatively involved, right? And it also makes me wonder if he is creative at all. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, but I mean, apparently, Victor Miller. As soon as he won the rights, he went running out and started waving it into studios' faces, saying, look at me, look at me, I got the rights, let's start making a movie. Yeah, and everybody's like, wait, we can make a Jason movie? And he's like, well... Well, I'm, well yeah, we can make a Friday the 13th, yeah. <laughs> in in America? <laughs> Nowhere else? Yeah. But, I, I mean, know. if you look at the way that the, the rights are structured, he still does not own the rights to Jason Voorhees, the hulking undead killer. With the hockey with a hockey mask. mask, he owns the rights to Friday the Thirteenth Part One mm-hmm. and everything contained therein. So he owns the rights to the name Friday the Thirteenth. He owns the name Jason Voorhees. Uh, he owns Camp Crystal Lake, and he owns the character of Pamela Voorhees. Mm-hmm. He owns Jason Voorhees as a uh, deformed, drowned child. Yeah, who's presumably dead. So if you're like hype about a remake of of Pamela Voorhees killing movie, then yeah, get hype. Mm-hmm. If you want to see another Jason movie, this ain't it. Yeah, tough shit. Because Sean Cunningham, I'm is is appealing the ruling. Um, but if he doesn't get his way, then I can guarantee you he's gonna go out and start making movies called Jason. Yeah, like me and you were talking about this earlier. You know, look at uh, Jason Goes to Hell, Jason X, Freddy versus Jason. Those mm-hmm. movies are called that because they didn't have the rights to Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, and they still made them. Mm-hmm. And they did well. And they're still considered canon. So he could make Jason Returns, you know, or Jason Part 13, or mm-hmm. whatever you, he wants to call it, as long as it's not Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's very similar to um, what uh, Don Mancini is doing with uh, Child's Play. It's like MGM, sure, they have the rights to Child's Play. And I don't know, maybe the name Chucky, I don't know. Um, but uh, as far as the the story... And everything that's happened after the first child's play, or no, up into up until Bride of Chucky, yeah. So I guess probably the first one that wasn't child's play, yeah. Okay, so he owns all that. So basically, everything we know as the current Chucky, Don Mancini owns that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I mean, in talking to like Ben Scrivens, who uh, owns Fright Rags, he told us that. They own as much as the design of the mask. 
like the placement Baby of the holes. Or in, yes. The placement of the event holes, the chevrons, they own all that. So Victor Miller cannot touch that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, and that's the franchise. Like, the name Friday the 13th, yeah, that's going to sell because people know it. Mm-hmm. But Jason is the franchise. Yeah, I am a huge Friday the 13th fan. Everybody who write, or frequents the show knows that. I don't give a fuck about Pamela Voorhees. Yeah. Or, you know, any anybody... Look at the remake. The time, like, the entire first movie was summed up in one scene at the very beginning of the movie that yeah. was like a minute and a half long. That's how much anyone cares about Pamela Voorhees. Yeah, and you know, the thing that made the first one interesting at the beginning is that you didn't know who it was. Yeah. Now you know, and it's not interesting anymore. <laughs> you can't make a new Friday the 13th movie with the mystery of, of a whodunit because everybody knows it's Pamela Voorhees. Yep. Meanwhile, yeah, if I'm Cunningham, I'm going out there tomorrow and I'm pitching... I'm like, who wants to write a movie with Jason Voorhees in it? Yeah, I would go to um, LeBron. Be like, hey, I've got the shit that you want. (laughs) I got that good shit. I got the good good. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, just make my movie. Just Just don't go to Blumhouse. Please don't go to Blumhouse. (laughs) Please, please don't go to Blumhouse. Oh, my God. Like I might have a panic attack if he goes to Blumhouse. <laughs> if Blumhouse makes a Friday Thirteenth fa- uh, fan movie, they're gonna make a fanfic. <laughs> that's probably what it. That's essentially what it'll be. Um, but no, if if Blumhouse makes a Friday Thirteenth movie, I might have like some kind of attack. <laughs> I just would be like maybe just like a depression. If you guys hear an announcement about Blumhouse acquiring Friday the 13th or Jason or whatever the case may be, um, send your thoughts and prayers, please. Just know that I'm not taking it well. (laughs) Like, like, you know, when you get dumped and like, you just can't wrap your mind around it. Like, just like, how can this be real? Like, how could this possibly happen? Yeah. And you just can't rationalize it. That's kind of how I'll be. Sure. Uh, anyway, but yeah, this is just a giant fucking mess. And yeah, I don't think Miller should be out there pitching yet, but no, it's stupid. I mean, he doesn't have anything to pitch. He's and, got a name. And who, who, who do you pitch it to? Uh, uh, Vertigo. Vertigo. Yeah. I don't know why Vertigo's jumping all over it. You'd think they'd be smart. Well, sure. But you'd think they'd be smart enough to say, well, this isn't. Friday the 13th. Yeah, this isn't what anyone wants to see. I mean, a lot of people are speculating that maybe they are going to buy up the rights and then throw their weight around to get Cunningham on board. Yeah. And maybe that's the case. And if that is the case, then sure. I still think Cunningham holds the cards, though. Well, yeah, he definitely does. So. Thinking, you know, Miller being such a prick from the get-go about this, um, is just it's it's hard to feel any kind of uh, sympathy for or not necessarily sympathy but um, to uh, side with him like at all like he's been such a complete asshole I know I know Cunningham's an asshole too like I as a Friday the Thirteenth fan think he's an asshole yeah um, but <laughs> from what I've read multiple times he tried to go to Miller and try to you know strike up a deal. 
and Miller like wasn't taking his calls. Oh, really? Yeah. He was just cold shouldering him like completely. So it's like, you know what, dude? Fuck you. Go make your movie that nobody wants to watch. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yeah, just LeBron. That's stupid. Fuck him too. <laughs> I don't know a lot of people like like we started off saying it's like, yeah, well, he's got money. Why do you care? Why do you care who writes the checks as long as they're writing them? It's like, because I worry what's going to happen after he gets involved. Yeah. A lot of times people who write checks are like, I want something for my money. Exactly. Like, I want to be the starring role. I won't watch that. If I have to watch LeBron act, I won't watch it. Yeah, that would be really weird. Yeah. Which, like, Space Jam 2, which he insists is happening. Like, he's probably going to be a starring role. Of course he is. I don't want to watch that. I, I don't know. I don't want to get into a Space Jam conversation. But... <laughs> Space Jam's the bomb, though. Space Jam fucking rules. <laughs> uh, if you guys haven't checked it out already, go listen to our Space Jam Drunken Cinema. <laughs> oh, you just spoiled the surprise. Oh, right. <laughs> Two years later. Okay, guys, before we get into our movie reviews, we have a very special thing to show you. Our dicks. He could have just left it implied. You didn't have to just outright say it. We've got a special little treat. Our dicks. <laughs> Are you done with the dicks? Dicks, dicks, dicks. Go ahead. I lost my steam now. No, but, we have a very special interview to uh, play for you guys. Uh, we talked to the director of Terrifier. Uh, Damon Leone. So go ahead. And he share. also directed All Hallows Eve, so it's it's a, it ties in Halloween. with the Halloween. Well, I mean, Terrifier takes place in Halloween. That's true. Yeah. So here's our interview with Damon Leone. Hey everyone, you're here with Skeletoni and Taylor of Terror. And today we have with us a very special guest uh, on our Halloween episode, the director of Terrifier and All Hallows Eve and Frankenstein vs. the Mummy, Damien Leone. How you doing, Damien? I'm doing well. What's up, guys? Uh, you know, just uh, keeping busy. Very busy Halloween season. So busy. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Yeah, yeah I just got through with a... Um... A feature this whole month uh, doing special effects. Uh, this movie called Hard Night. So, oh nice. Pretty, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty preoccupied. So I haven't haven't really had time to do anything for this Halloween season, unfortunately. So I'm just going to be relaxing, watching horror movies. Yeah, you know, like I've, I've I've mentioned this to I think probably Taylor and you know my wife mostly, but every year we go on vacation in October, and somehow we always manage to pull Halloween together. You know, have a party. You know, get all the decorations up. And it's so weird that we didn't go on vacation this year. And for some reason, like, we just put our Halloween decorations up last night. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're just barely getting this party going tonight. <laughs> the vacation is probably like your kickoff. And it, so since you didn't have your kickoff, you're missing that motivation. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I've, I noticed that I'm kind of lacking in the uh, the Halloween spirit this year. It's kind of a well, bummer. At least 
though. Better late than never, right? Yeah, de- definitely. So, um, why don't we start off and you just tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your background. Um, so I got into filmmaking through special effects. Uh, first, I was That's awesome. I'd say around yeah, around. Always loved horror films since I was a very little kid, like three years old. But around, I'd say around the age of twelve, I got really interested in special effects through Tom Savini's uh, VHS Scream Grace. Yeah. I so. Did. Yeah. So um, I went to a horror convention when I was around the same age as well, and I bought my first makeup kit, a bottle of fake blood, <laughs> uh, a real machete. They were selling real machetes. Uh, <laughs> Sold it to a twelve-year-old. <laughs> It was the, the Chiller Convention in uh, Jersey. It's actually going on right now, and uh, David Thornton's at it uh, for Art the Clown right now. Oh, nice. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's a classic uh, Tom Savini gag, which is he, you know, like, he uses it in Dawn of the Dead and uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. You get the real machete, and you you carve a semicircle out of one end, and mm-hmm. you just play, you, you place it up against your skin or against your skull. It looks like the machete's buried in your flesh, you know? Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, so so yeah, I took all that stuff home and I just started experimenting, getting my friends and putting blood on them and figuring out what liquid latex does and all this stuff. So my buddy's father had a camcorder and he let us borrow it. So we just began making little home videos, filming the special effects, and they got more elaborate as we got older. We started making short films. And yeah, eventually I just got into filmmaking as a whole. I just wanted to be a, a filmmaker. So that's how it all started. That's awesome, dude. Are those uh, those short films still out there somewhere? Um, I have tons of little tapes that they've been in my mother's house all these years, and I actually just collected them. But they're on, they're on. I don't even know what the format is. They're it's so old. They went in like JVC camcorder tapes. So I, I had so many of them. So I'm in the process of uh, digitally, you know, getting them onto hard drives. And yeah, maybe maybe one day I'll get them on my YouTube channel or something. Nice. Hours and hours of footage. But uh, but the Ninth Circle, which was the first thing featuring Art the Clown, was the first official short film I ever made. We actually shot that on. That was the first time I ever worked with 35 millimeter. That was the only time since. Uh, that was the only time I've worked with 35 millimeter. So uh, so yeah, from there on, those are the only official short films that are out there that I've made. So, you know, I was actually probably going to bring this up later, but I might as well just ask you now, you know, art is just like the fucking thing of nightmares. Like, <laughs> I mean, like the, the name Terrifier is pretty apt. Um, where, where did you come up with that? Like, that's like kind of like a sick fever dream. <laughs> well, the, uh, the character itself? Yeah. Um, I always, like around the time I made the short, Right, I call that short the Ninth Circle. I always call it my kitchen sink short film because it was it was it was gonna be my calling card of what I could do as a director and as a special effects artist. Mm-hmm. So I just make this kind of really tight horror horror short with all everything I could possibly put in it. So there were witches, demons, monsters, and I always felt there was something cool I could do with a clown that I hadn't really seen before. So. I just wanted to, again, all these movies I made as a kid with my friends, it would, 
constantly it was just like, oh, let's make a vampire movie. Let's make a serial killer movie. I, I would just throw a Jason mask on my friend. We'd make a little Jason fan film. Just little things like that. So this was my, my shot at a clown. And he ju I just had this idea, which is the beginning of that short, of, but it's a little different in the short. But originally I had this idea of a woman alone on a city bus all, uh, coming home in the middle of the night, whether it be from work or a, a party or something. But she's all alone. The bus is going through this really uh, sort of sketchy area. Um, and all of a sudden it comes to a stop and a clown gets on the bus and just sits next to her and just keeps staring at her. And it's just very awkward. And then he starts toying with her and it starts, it's kind of awkward and playful, but the, the stakes just start getting higher and it starts getting more and more intense until he's trying to inject her with a needle. So that was just this idea I had. I didn't really necessarily have the look or anything like that. It was just this idea. And then the look came after that. And a big reason for his look is I, I knew at the time, at the time, it was probably around 2005 or six. So clowns were not as popular as they are now. You really only had the original Pennywise. Sure. At that point, it was super popular. Um, so I just wanted to do everything opposite from him because I didn't want to step on his toes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we stood away, we, you know, uh, we didn't do anything that was very colorful and he doesn't speak. Uh, he does he uses weapons where Pennywise doesn't just things like that. So that, that's where the look came from for the most part. Yeah. I, like, I really thought it was cool that like, I mean, it's this clown character. And like you said, as far as like, uh, you know, uh, well-known clowns, pretty much all there is, is, is Pennywise. Um, and so, you know, Pennywise is very supernatural based, whereas art is more or less just very grounded. Yeah. So it's just like, it's, it's yeah creepier on that level. I guess. It could be anyone. Yeah. 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 I, he starts off, uh, grounded in reality. Um, obviously in Terrifier, he, he steps into the supernatural at the end, but you don't, you right. don't know, you don't know what his deal is yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, you will. <laughs> Sweet, that's good to hear. Uh, um, so, when when did you start? Like, so I mean, you had uh, the Knights Knights Circle. You said, yeah, that was the name of the short. Sure, right. and then and then you had uh, All Hallows Eve, and then you right. actually made Terrifier. What was the kind of what made you want to make a uh, solely art based film? Well, first it was after the Ninth Circle. Then I was, I was trying to make a, a full-length Art the Clown feature way back then, but I couldn't get oh. the funds. Couldn't get the funds, so I um, maxed out a credit card to make the short film Terrifier, and then I threw that onto. I put it in a couple of festivals. It got a little, little notoriety, but nothing, nothing crazy. But then I put it on YouTube, and it got a lot of hits back then. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, and the producer of All Hallows Eve stumbled upon it, and he was sort of concocting this what All Hallows Eve is. Like he he set out to make an anthology, and he was he was sort of scouring YouTube for Halloween-based shorts that already existed. So he was reaching out to filmmakers. He found Terrifier, and he loved the clown, so he wanted to he wanted to have the whole movie sort of revolve around the character. The clown was going to be the focal point of the film. So I wound up talking him into just letting me be in charge of the entire movie. Whereas, like, don't bring any other filmmakers in. I, I told him I already have another short with Dr. Clown, which was The Ninth Circle. 
And I said, maybe you could throw me a couple of bucks and I could shoot sort of a wraparound story and one more short film. And he agreed to it, which was really cool. And that's how All Hallows Eve came to be. Nice. But it, it was never my intention to make that movie. Like, okay. I just wanted to, I wanted to go right into uh, an Art the Clown standalone film. But that was the only opportunity presented to me at the time. And it, it was going to be my first film that was had distribution that was going to be on DVD. So it was super exciting. And they were gonna put Art the Clown on the cover. I was like, "This is this is great. Can't can't pass this up." So, nice. so went for it. So it's kind of like a double-edged sort, kind of sort. Uh, one one end, um, thankful for it, and it gave him more notoriety, and it was just more of a stepping stone. Well, yeah, you know, the other end, it's, it's kind of confusing because it's not where I want the mythology to be. So people don't know if it's connected to Terrifier or not. It's not yeah, I, I never intended for him to be in, in an anthology. So got it, but. It is what it is. Oh. So, I mean, you're like all self-taught or did you go to school? Self-taught, I I, uh, I took one aesthetics of directing class uh, in film school when I got out of high school. But it really it, it really didn't do much for me. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, at the time, I feel like I would enjoy film school a lot more now. But at the time when I went, I was very young, a little, <laughs> little naive, a little like too ambitious i just like to i i, I don't i don't want to wait i just want to make make the <laughs> and the stuff that they were teaching were, were not the films that made me want to be a filmmaker and and things like i couldn't really couldn't relate to the things that they were that they were teaching and speaking about and and, and everything so it was just it was just let me go and do my own thing and I, I learned how to make movies just by being a fan of movies and watching films religiously you know, I feel like that's becoming more and more popular. Yeah, we hear that a lot. Yeah, for sure. And it's just like, you know, film school is just like any other form of, you know, higher education. It just seems like it's getting more and more expensive and more and more out of reach for, you know, a, an ambitious young filmmaker. Well, so. and everything we hear is that, like, everyone that goes to film school is going to have the same portfolio. That's and true. so if you want to be, you know, creative and have this creative eye, then, yeah, you need to go out and do it yourself and just figure it out. I agree, and I, I think everything, especially now, is more accessible. You, you can, back, you know, way way back then, it's, you you couldn't wear all those hats. You couldn't be, you couldn't be the director of photography and the editor and the do your own visual effects. But now now you can because of computers and software, and everything is so much user friendly. So uh, it's definitely it's it's a different world when it comes to filmmaking. It's a lot easier for someone to just go out and make a film. There's really no excuse anymore. Yeah, I mean, we've made a couple short films of our own, and you know, we're idiots. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I love to check them out. Yeah, yeah, they're on our website. So one one is better than the other, <laughs> definitely. You, you you can tell which one we made first. <laughs> um, uh, I had another question in mind, but I can't think of what it was. Taylor, cool. Uh, <laughs> so David Thornton, who plays Art in Terrifier, he was not Art in All Hallows Eve, correct? No, he was not. This okay. is his first first outing. Uh, the first actor was Mike Gianelli, who's a friend of mine. But he's not a he's not a, a professional actor, and he he just didn't want to do it anymore. I, I begged him to do it uh, because he was he was fantastic uh, for for all the faults of all the shorts and and the movies, even Terrifier. It seems like people pretty much unanimously always love the Art the Clown character. 
So that, that you know that was the case with the original Art the Clown as well, and it was it was, it was scary the notion of having to replace the only thing that was that solid. So when I had to search for a new actor, that was it was really scary. But luckily, Dave came in. He was like the third or fourth person to come into the room to audition for the Clown. He just knocked it out of the park, and I was like, oh man, this is, this is like a godsend. So. So, yeah, we, we really lucked out. Dave's fantastic. Yeah, he's definitely very animated in his face. If you, like, follow him on Instagram, he, he's always making these weird faces. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he, he's, uh, he, he does um, voices primarily. Uh, so he's super animated. He's almost like a walking cartoon character. <laughs> uh, which was cool because he brought a lot of things to the table that that I wouldn't have thought of. So there was a lot, you know, there were, there were times where he, he would bring things too far, but I had a, I had a great variety, a great spectrum of things to choose from with his performance, which was great. You know, you can go, you can go from really far to just completely subdued and cold, just down to a cold stare. So it's very cool. There's a lot of stuff for us to play with. Yeah. I know there's a part during terrifier. Like I won't get into details for those that haven't seen it, but when he comes up out of the basement and he's chasing, um, oh shit, terrible names. Victoria character. Thank you. Um, yeah. And that pull part and the way he's just walking around, it's like, it's like, I wanted to reach out and shake him. Like, stop it. (laughs) Stop being creepy. (laughs) Yeah. I actually, that was my, I actually told him to do that, uh, weird thing with his arms. I, I don't know where it came from, but I just thought it would be very, very freaky to do this strange alien, like overly feminine kind of, I don't know the whole thing. I just, I just knew the whole thing. I got a serious <laughs> Buffalo Bill uh, vibe from it. Yeah. Yeah. People say that they say, um, Marilyn Manson. Oh yeah. Um, I can see that. Yeah. But the real, the real inspiration for that scene came from, uh, when I was writing the script, my ex-girlfriend said, uh, said you should do a scene where Art the Clown's wearing a wig. That's all she said. <laughs> okay. and, and, I, and I said, and I just started thinking about it. I was like, yeah, he would definitely look creepy with a wig, but why would he be wearing a wig? And, I, and then I just went into it deeper and deeper, and I just thought about what the character is. And I said, well, he wouldn't be wearing a wig. Art the Clown would be wearing a scalp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I said, if he went that far to take off a woman's scalp and wear it, he would probably take all of her female attributes (laughs) and go all the way. And so it started there. And originally he was going to wear it on top of his outfit. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was thinking of the visual and I said that that's probably going to look goofy or just not have the impact it would if he was naked. And I, and I told that to Dave and Dave was like, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it'll be a lot creepier because because at that, when he's naked, it just and he's wearing the pieces, it sort of just transforms his entire body into into a woman. So it's just a bloody woman. So I, I thought that would be so much more. And but he just keeps his. But I thought it would be funny, a funny touch for him to just keep his uh, boots on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Dave just was totally on board with uh, whatever. He's just pretty fearless, especially since. Uh, Dave says this all the time that the actress, uh, Catherine Corcoran, who plays Dawn, who had to do the scene naked upside down when she gets cut in half, uh, that she was she was fearless and she had to do that. So Dave said, hey, if she had to be naked and do that, I'll 
be naked and walk around wearing <laughs> wearing these bits of women. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, so very cool. Very cool. So uh, you did uh, Frankenstein versus the Mummy, and that was was that your first feature? Well, that was the first. Yeah, I I would say that's the first official feature since since All Hallows Eve was really a collection of short films thrown together. Oh, okay, so I, so it did come after All Hallows Eve then. <clears throat> yeah, it came after. It was the same okay. guy who made All Hallows Eve, and then he he came to me saying because uh, he was on this sort of um, this kick of making low budget found footage movies. Uh, because they just, they just, I guess they just return a quick profit. So he was trying to make a found footage Frankenstein versus the mummy movie. And he, he asked me if I would do the special effects. And I said, can I make a not found footage Frankenstein versus the mummy movie directed and do the special effects? Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) Thank you for your service. (laughs) Some people would disagree, but (laughs) yeah, you know, it's like, it seems like I, 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 the reason I bring that up is because I always, I thought it was pretty ambitious of you for your first, like, I guess, technically official feature yeah. uh, to make a monster movie. It seems like a lot of people for their first feature, they will go out and make a slasher movie or they'll go out and make a found footage movie. And so to, to just really dig in and make a monster movie, I thought that was pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate it. There's there's a lot of things. That was a super ambitious movie, especially for the budget. Yeah, I mean, watching it, it's like, God, I, I know they couldn't have been... I know it couldn't have been as expensive as it looks. <laughs> it was... We probably had $50,000 to make that, that home. Which is which is absurd. Like it, it would cost more than that just to do the amount of special effects that are in that movie. Mm-hmm. But... uh. But I, there's a lot of things in that movie that I'm proud of. There's a lot of things that are, you know, pretty pretty poor in that movie. I'm, uh, it's it's way too long. There's I flipped out with the dialogue. I just went so overboard. There's so much talking in a movie called Frankenstein vs. the Mummy. <laughs> you went Kevin Smith on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too much. Um, and and the fight scene is pretty underwhelming. Uh, for for that movie, I mean that is the title of the film. But if we had the budget, it would have been a lot crazier and a lot longer. We just we just didn't. Um, also, I was more more inclined to make more of a Frankenstein movie because I'm more of a Frankenstein fan than a mummy sure. fan. So yeah, I would have lo- I would have loved for it to just be a Frankenstein film. But whatever. I mean, it was um, I learned a lot making that film and Terrifier. The structure of Terrifier is sort of a result of everything that went wrong with Frankenstein vs. Mummy because that movie was so long and there was so much dialogue and so much story and plot where with Terrifier, I went in the complete opposite direction, maybe too far. So I think I had to find that. My, my goal is to find that happy medium with uh, <laughs> the sequel Terrifier. I mean, I, I don't want to just uh, sit here and, and blow your horn, but... <laughs> You know, I I thought the Terrifier the way it that progressed was just great. Like it, uh, you know, especially because it had it had a, a section a segment where it it seemed like the movie was ending, but then it it almost started up again. Like it just like it, it like a whole new movie started. Yeah, yeah, it sort of recycles for sure. Um, 
Well, but you're trying uh, you're trying not to have any spoilers in this. Uh, uh, you this know, you're the, you're the director, so if that's if that's what you want to do, go ahead. But no, no, I, yeah, I say spoiler. I, I said people probably should have seen it by now if they're going to listen to this, or you could just warn them. Yeah, that's kind of where we st- like. We used to do what, ten years. That was our yeah. Our, like we wouldn't spoil anything that was less than ten years old. But then that just became a pain became a pain in the ass. So we bumped it cut it in half. Yeah, five years. And we've kind of been sticking to that. But I mean, well, we've talked yeah. about it on the show before. So yeah, yeah. We actually did a review on this. Uh, was it our last Halloween episode? Uh, we did oh. All Hallows Eve last. That's right. Halloween. Yeah. So we did Terrify earlier this year. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah, it feels like it just came out because it just came on Netflix September first. But we 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 showed this in a festival in uh, in twenty sixteen. Hmm. Like that just goes to show you how long we've uh, we've been making this. We started filming this movie in, I believe, the summer of 2015. Uh, Jeez. So, yeah, it took a, a long time, long time to get here. How long were you on set? Uh, I think it was probably 30 days altogether, but over the course of like a year and a half. Just because we kept we kept going back, we would get we would get inserts. So we did some reshoots. So when we showed the film at the Telluride Horror Show in 2016, it got a great response from the audience. And then uh, then a, a couple of reviews came out, and we were able to we were able to read some of the negative comments and go back and fix some things and mm-hmm. more technical things. Like for instance, the um, there were no there were no rats in the original cut of the film because we just didn't have money to have a rat infestation mm-hmm. in that in building. <clears throat> so we got some complaints like, oh, there's supposed to be this big, you know, this guy in there killing all these rats and these rodents and stuff. And there's nothing there. So we went back and got a few inserts of rats. Uh, we added a kill scene. We added the second exterminator who comes and gets his head severed. Okay, uh, wasn't in the first cut. The um, the opening of the film, which takes place on the, the little television set with the, the interview, mm-hmm. that was actually way longer, probably like a five-minute scene of that interview, and it was in the studio. But I wasn't I wasn't happy with the, the makeup, so I tried to figure out a way to cut it out as much as possible and put it on that little television with all the static so we could sort of obstruct the makeup as much as possible. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so just, just things like that. Uh, so, yeah. And plus, it's just such a low-budget movie, and we, you know, I, I did everything myself, but I had to work while I was editing the film, so it just took forever to, oh, to get. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you doing double duty. I mean, like, you know, I haven't directed a feature, but uh, uh, you know, like, I, I kind of came up the same way you did, like a huge Savini fan, a big uh, special effects guy, um, and you know, got got really into like doing gruesome Halloween costumes at a pretty young age. And um, so I, I, I kind of relate to you on that level. And then, you know, eventually wanting to turn towards directing. It's like, you know, like I said, we did, we've done two shorts and I directed both of them. Um, nice. And, you know, by my lack of experience kind of shows, but <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, you, you telling your tale uh, kind of uh, relates to me. So. Are you trying to, uh, you have plans to make a feature? I mean, it would be cool. We, we've started writing, what, about three at this point? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and just haven't been able to finish them. But, uh, no, I mean, that, that, would, that would be cool eventually. Um, you know, we're obviously doing the show. We're so engrossed in, uh, 
in film and, you know, talking to people like you and, you know, other directors and other people involved in film and just, it's hard to not get, you know, get the itch. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun, man. I, I totally think you do it. Finish the script. Finish one of them. That's the hardest part. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we kind of found. You know, we've, we've both uh, just actually uh, earlier this year finished acting in a feature that's coming out uh, early next year. Um, no. So we're both pretty excited about that. So, yeah, I guess just the next likely move is to do it ourselves. So. Yeah, just go for it. That's the one thing that I don't do is uh, is act. I, I pretty much will do a little bit of everything else, mm-hmm. but I don't like being in front of the camera. That's the one thing I don't like. Never liked it. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I admire actors, sure, greatly. So, do you have any uh, tentative plans for Terrifier Two? We are. I'm writing it at the moment. I'm very close to finishing uh, the first draft. Cool. And we have. We have interests from three different parties, so I'm um, pretty confident that we're gonna get we're gonna get the funds from one of them, at least one of them. Nice. Um, so yeah, so yeah, hopefully we have some some exciting news uh, in the next month or so. That would be great. Awesome. And uh, the the film that you just wrapped on, what was that called again? It's called The Hard Night. It's uh it's about a female cop going after a serial killer who abducts and murders prostitutes. Okay. So, cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I just did, uh, as a buddy of mine that I've known since, uh, since the ninth circle, uh, he's, I met him, met him on a short film, uh, an NYU short film that he was, uh, he was directing and we've been friends ever since. And this is his first feature film. So that was cool. Nice. That was very cool. Work on it. Cool. All right. Well, um, I think, uh, we've, hung on to you long enough so uh was there anything else you you wanted to mention uh while we're here um no i just uh definitely just want to thank uh thank all the people supporting the film it's pretty pretty wild to see it's pretty surreal mm-hmm. uh, and yeah part two is definitely definitely happening awesome so yeah, I guess they just follow follow the Arthur Clown Facebook page or my Instagram. That's where I that's the that's the best place to get updates of all things Arthur Clown for sure. Sweet. Hey, and you know, actually, we're not usually the type to ask like the hard hitting questions, but uh, you know, a lot of people have been kind of critical of Terrifier, saying it's mm-hmm. like anti feminist or you know sexist. Have you had any particular response to that? <laughs> I, I kind of get a kick out of it because it's it's so not true, so it doesn't bother me in the, in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Um, they call I've been called a misogynist. I've been called a, a transphobe recently. Oh, is, really, that's a reach. Which is amazing to me because, well, we'll talk about the misogyny thing first. is is amazing because my entire family is pretty much women. Like mm-hmm. I was ra- raised by all women. So I, I think, yeah, they're my favorite, favorite people. So, uh, all sisters and aunts and my mother raised me. So I think that's hysterical. Um, <laughs> but as far as the, and the transphobe thing, they had an issue with the scene we were talking about before, sure. uh, when he wears the, he wears the woman's body parts. Mm-hmm. Now the irony of that is the actress who plays the crazy homeless woman is a transgender woman that no one even realizes that oh yeah so, i wouldn't have guessed <laughs> <laughs> so um so right there 
I think that's I think that's hysterical. I mean, we actually I actually contacted her about it and we got a kick out of it because she knows I'm clearly not um, a transphobe. I mean, it, just the idea that it's so hard. You guys know you write scripts, you make movies. Just the idea that you go out of your way to get into this profession to have some sort of hidden agenda like that is just you know what I mean. It, it's so difficult in the first place just to make a movie mm -hmm. and then to, to choose that field to just sort of push these ideas i don't know it's wild to just think like the, the seven-year-old boy i was watching and loving these horror movies just thought oh one day i'm gonna make movies just because i hate women and right. <laughs> i'll really stick it to them <laughs> you, know, you know what i'm saying like, that's not what i <laughs> yeah, for all this time to make movies is to get to that point. Um, yeah, that's that's part of the that's the formula in the movies that I grew up admiring and enjoying. So those are the films that I want to make. Uh, um, I, I I don't know. I think you could. I think you can dissect why why it's more powerful in a sense to to have women be your not necessarily your victims, but your um, your protagonists. Because just just in nature, you would say women are a little more vulnerable physically than men. So it's just more um, you just you root for them more, especially you have like, you know, you have a young woman going up against a hulking Jason Voorhees. Mm -hmm. You're you're rooting for her more as, as opposed to, let's say you're watching The Predator and his, you know, you know Arnold has a great chance of taking out the Predator. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Much better chance. So, I don't know. I, I think there's more of a purity to women, too, that makes it more powerful when they're killed uh, or tortured because women are mothers, and they're, they're, there's all sorts of things you can you can look into it. Yeah, there's a lot of subtext involved. There's a lot of subtext involved, but it has nothing to do with having a hidden agenda of just wanting to see women be slaughtered. <laughs> right. And I just like, who would publicly do that? Like with this political environment right now, like what idiot would just like publicly make a movie like that? Yeah. And, but, but again, I'm not gonna, I, I, you know, I'm not going to sabotage my ideas and my work because of people's political views and what they think I'm doing. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. I care less. I, I care less. <laughs> I'm going to make the movie that I want to make. Not because I'm afraid of what people are going to think. So... Cool. I, I admire your, your uh, integrity. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, so if, if we're asking hard-hitting questions, then <laughs> I, I got one more here. Uh, how do you respond to people that say that art broke an unwritten slasher rule by using a gun? I, I think it's cool. I'm, uh... I thought it was funny as hell. <laughs> well, I think it's... You know, I, I think he is, a, he is a clown, and that's sort of... Um, it's sort of his his mo is to be to do unexpected things to keep you on your toes, um, sort of like to be unpredictable, sort of the way clowns are. They, uh, so that was that was one of the things. And I, he used the gun. I had that idea for a long time because he uses the gun in the Terrifier short film. And I I don't know if it started with just the image of him holding a handgun that I thought was just cool. I, I always pictured that being, I, I always pictured that being like a comic book image or something, just something really cool. But 
why can't why can't a slasher have a gun? Why can't a gun be as terrifying as a, as a knife or a machete? Um, because guns are so friggin' scary. I mean, anybody, you know, you put a gun, someone puts a gun in your face, you're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to you know, so it was sort of, sort of like a little personal challenge. Like, could I make, could I make it scary? And could I put a gun in the hands of a slasher, the likes of Jason or Michael Myers? Could it work? Some people think it works. Some people don't. Uh, I, I love it. I think it's, I think it's so cool. And I, I like that it sort of separates him from other people because I want him to be relatable and, uh, I want him to have the feel of the slashers that we grew up loving and admiring. But at the same time, I want him to be a little new and fresh and different. And that was one of the ways I felt like I could make him stand out a little more. Totally. That was funny because when I watched it, I didn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. And then I started reading all these reports, and it's like, oh, they broke this unwritten rule. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's unwritten, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's supposedly very, very polarizing, very controversial. Uh, and people are very, like, some people really dislike it, really dislike it. Like, it, it actually ruins the movie. I don't, I, but, see, I don't, I don't know if that really ruins the movie for them, or it's the fact that he kills uh, the Tara character in such a way that really ruins the movie for, for some people. See, I mean, like, like I said, you know, I s- thought that was totally unexpected. And then for the movie to completely start anew with Victoria, like that was yeah. awesome. Like, yeah. Um, and, you know, as far as the gun use, like I said, I thought that was hilarious because, you know, you're, you're watching it at a point where you think that Tara has the upper hand and that she's about to take him down. And then out comes the gun. It's like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Another reason for the gun is I, I always felt like if I, if one of these slashers, there's a lot of times in all these films where the slasher is, uh, gets in, into the hands of the authorities. And even I've talked about this before, even to the extent of Halloween five, where he's essentially arrested and put in jail. And and that's so bizarre to me, and I, I can't imagine a killer getting that far, getting his himself into that situation. So for me, it was like if Art the Clown ever gets apprehended or arrested, it's like he's not going to let them take him in. So how's he going to get out of that situation? I had the idea of he would pull out a gun and kill himself. Mm-hmm. So so nobody, nobody could take him in. You could never figure out what his his story is. So that that was another idea I had floating around in my head. Uh, with the gun so he only uses the gun in dire situations when when either his his back has to be to the wall for him to pull it out Mm -hmm. at at this point at least in terrifier in part two he's got a machine gun (laughs) he's gonna bring the gun back we'll uh we'll have to see it'll be a surprise (laughs) all right well uh anything else to it that's it cool all right. Well, thanks so much, Damien. It was a lot of fun talking to you and really thankful that you uh, came on the show. Oh, same here, guys. This was a blast. So thanks for having me. If you ever uh, if you ever want to talk again, let me know. Or if uh, Terrified 2 happens, I'd love to come, come back on and talk about it. Absolutely. Sounds great. All right, man. Well, best of luck to you going forward. Um, do you have any social media plugs that you want to have people follow you at? Just uh, Art the Clown uh, Facebook page. I don't, I you know, I don't know what the uh, what the technical 
names are, but you can, you can find it. It's got the most uh, followers on it. So the <laughs> page and uh, on Instagram, it's Damian underscore Leone. Pretty sure it's my Instagram. So cool. Yeah, that would be cool. All right, man. Well, thanks again, and uh, hopefully catch up with you in the future. All right, you got it. Thanks, guys. Thank All right, you, man. Take care. I got that grave plot, I got that grave plot, I got that grave plot, it's right off the highway, wobbledy wobbledy drop into my grave plot, you afraid of death, well I'm afraid not, cause I got the bomb spot right off the highway, I did it my way, a very small percent of the time way, all right guys, hope you enjoyed that, we sure did, yeah it was alright, <laughs> no it was wonderful, it was best, most beautiful interview ever. This is the best interview ever. Trust me, I know, but I know interviews. <laughs> That's <was> dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you. Uh, special thanks to uh, Damien for coming on the show and talking to us. It was a lot of fun and uh, hope to talk to him again someday. Word. Uh, you know, there's only one other place for us to go from here, Taylor. Do you know where that is? Does it involve your dick? <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> On to the film reviews. Okay. Halloween guys. Now That's us. We're the Halloween guys. <laughs> you, you know us. You know us as that. That's, um, that's what they call us. <laughs> All right, Taylor. So, which film do you want to start with? I think we got to start with the old school. Go Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. You don't really know much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween, you happen to know anything about this Cochrane? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. Season He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Trick or treat, trick or treat. Hey, Mr. Cochrane, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. Hey! Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. I want a mask. Can I have a mask? Uh, just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Cockers? Why? Do I need a reason? I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. You've got to believe me. They're going to kill us. All of us. Stop it. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! Halloween 3. Season of the Witch, the night no one comes home. Season of the Witch. 
All right. Season of the bitch. Oh, got him. <laughs> so Halloween three, of course, everyone knows the one without Michael Myers. The only one that doesn't take place in Haddonfield, Illinois, takes place in Northern California, where the girls are warm. <laughs> right? I think that's Southern California. Uh, no, I don't think so. Northern California, where the girls are warm. I mean, it's not really warm in Northern California. It's kind of moderate. Well, I didn't write the song. <laughs> Maybe it is. Nor- I don't fucking know. That's Anyways. Steve Miller. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Anyways, uh movie opens on a guy. Uh, his name is Harry Groombridge. We don't really know that at the time, though. But he's he's running from something. Something's clearly chasing him. He's scared out of his mind. He's running fast. He is running. I thought he was a much younger guy than <laughs> as fast as he was running. He was, pro- he was probably a stunt runner. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but then we see this car chasing him as he's hiding in this junkyard. These guys in business suits get out and they start looking for him. And uh, he makes it to this gas station and he just collapses. And the gas station attendant drives him to the hospital. And this whole time he's clutching this jack-o'-lantern mask. Mm-hmm. And so he's placed in the care of Dr. Dan Chalice. He's like, they're coming. Coming all over. They're coming everywhere. Um, <laughs> he doesn't say that. He's placed in the care of Dr. Dan Chalice, played by Tom Atkins' mustache. <laughs> and I don't... Why do people like Tom Atkins? I'm indifferent on Tom Atkins. I'm not this like huge Tom Atkins fan, but I don't think he's as terrible as you make him out to be. I think he's a really bad actor. I know you do, and I don't get it. Because he is. I think he's fine. I don't think he's great, but I think he's fine. But everybody thinks he's fucking awesome because he has a mustache. It's like a lot Lots of, of people. A lot of people have mustaches. Lot, yeah. Like uh, Sam uh, Elliot. Uh, Elliot. He has a mustache, and he's also a good actor. He's awesome. <laughs> uh. Tom Selleck. There you go. He usually has a mustache. Yeah. He's, he's one of those people that's like, you see him without a mustache and you go, Ugh. Yeah. It's like when your dad shaves off his beard for the first time. Yeah. Or his mustache. Or his mustache. Yeah. My dad is a mustache man. Yeah. Like, like when Alex Trebek first shaved off his mustache and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I can, like, I don't recall the first time my dad shaved off his beard because he had one pretty much my entire childhood. But I can remember being older like um less than 10 i think um but older than five somewhere somewhere in there and he shaved off his beard and it's like oh like, there's a stranger in the house <laughs> right, right. <laughs> stranger danger <laughs> anyways let's get back to the movie <laughs> uh that night another man in a suit he enters and he just sticks his fingers into Harry's eyes, just shoves them deep down into his eye sockets and grabs his skull and just breaks it with his bare fucking hands. Yeah, he's like just pops the uh, the bridge of his nose like it's a fucking can topper. Yeah. Or can key. Is that the name? You mean like the thing? Yeah, like uh, like a you know, little, 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 you know, little thing. Well, <laughs> thing. It's like you... you bend it up and you pull it back and it pulls the lid off oh not like soda can right? no no like 
like an actual like tin can. Oh yeah, key maybe I think, is I think it's called. called? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's let's talk riveting. more about tin cans. <laughs> riveting conversation. <laughs> we're we're doing a really good job. But uh, Tom Atkins sees him, chases him down. The guy gets in a car and just blows himself up. <laughs> just starts dumping gasoline all over his head. Lights a match, blows him and his car completely to, to shit. He probably, he probably sucked anyway. <laughs> Based on what? I don't know. He's wearing a suit at night. Fuck him. <laughs> what is he, a farmer? <laughs> so the next morning, uh, Grimbridge's daughter Ellie shows up. And immediately Tom Atkins is like, yep, want that. Because <laughs> he's a fucking creep. <laughs> it's like, hey, baby. It's like, hey, you uh, here to Id- identify your dad's remains? hot it's like well, why don't you bend over so i can see your asshole <laughs> what the fuck that's he was looking at her lustfully like he that might be what he was thinking that was quite the jump i know <laughs> tom atkins is a perv <laughs> he's like who wants a mustache ride <laughs> oh you know he loves giving those <laughs> that's why he grew the mustache <laughs> but then he's got to wash it otherwise he just stinks all day <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is getting out of hand. You know, people call it a flavor saver. This is getting away from me. You know, hang on to that flavor. Fuck's sake. (laughs) But she starts yelling at the cop. He's like, you know, we're doing everything we can. We've got an investigation going. She's like, fuck you. (laughs) You're a liar. (laughs) He's like, what? You're a phony. (laughs) He's just like, I'm a cop. What are you talking about? So her and Chalice, she's like, I'm going to do my own investigation. And Chalice, who is a doctor, by the way, is like, I'll help. (laughs) With my investigative skills. Yeah. Like he acts like he's a fucking cop the whole movie, but he's not. You have to keep reminding yourself that he's just a doctor. Right. It's because this one came out so close to Night of the Creeps that you kind of get confused. Yeah. (laughs) Because he was a cop in that. That's true. Maybe he forgot that he's not in that movie. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, he's at a bar just drowning his sorrows, and she comes in, and he's like, hey, let's go check it out. And she's like, okay. <laughs> so they head to Santa Mira, California. Is that a real place? No. Okay. It's been used in several movies, though. Oh, has it? Mm-hmm. Uh, actually. It means Saint Look At. Sure. <laughs> uh, let's see. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original. Um, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Another Carpenter movie. Um, it was in the Dark Tower 7. Hmm. Uh, Sharknado 2, 3, and 4. Oh, God. Um, by the way, you said another Carpenter movie. This is produced by John Carpenter, but it's actually written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. Right. This is the first Halloween in the series to not be directed by Carpenter. Yeah, we didn't really talk about the whole, like, the one without Michael Myers thing. Uh, but I figure we should cover that after we get through the movie. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. But so uh, they stay in this motel, the Rose of Shannon motel. And the owner there or the manager, whatever he is. He I, ex- I like how this town is just like this haven for Irish immigrants just in the middle of California. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like what? <laughs> Why would they travel from Ireland to New York, presumably? Go all the way across the country to some <laughs> random fucking farming town in California. 
I don't know. There's plenty of farming between New York and California. Yeah, like most of it. Most of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this town is basically just this warehouse. Like, this warehouse is this town's economy. Mm-hmm. And so this guy explains, you know, that they sell these masks. They're extremely popular. There's three of them. There's a jack-o'-lantern, a skull, and a witch. Did you notice when they're in the factory, uh, the unpainted masks, the witch looked like Freddy Krueger? I didn't, but now that you mention it, yeah. yeah. I mean, not like a spitting image, but it's just very familiar. Looking. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's Silver Shamrock Novelties, owned by Connell Cochran, who is this very dapper and well put together man, and who's with this, he's got a very, uh, very Richard Linkletter kind of voice. <laughs> uh, he's played by um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Donald Donald Hurley. Yes, uh, who was in um, RoboCop. He played, uh, you know, the guy. The guy yeah. in RoboCop. You know. <laughs> you know the guy. Uh, why can't I remember names? The old, Oh, he's just, okay, I thought he was just the old man. I didn't oh. think he actually had a name in that. But, yeah, the, the, the guy that owns, or that is like the CEO of uh, OCP. Yeah. That's him. But so pretty much everyone staying in this motel has business at, the warehouse or the uh, factory they're all there to see connell cochran and to give him their business yeah they're like toy owner toy store owners yeah or costume shops or something or other yeah uh so one of them betty uh gutman that no not betty 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 nugs betty nugs (laughs) um the fuck is her first name uh it's gutman marge marge gutman all right. Uh, she's sitting there in her hotel room and she notices that the little tag, the the silver shamrock, <laughs> the silver shamrock novelty's tag has fallen off this mask. And she's looking at the back and there's some kind of like chip or something in it. She made in China shit. <laughs> <laughs> so she pulls a bobby pin out of her hair and starts like, you know, shoving it in there. Shoving it deep. So deep. And she gets electrocuted in the face, just zaps her mouth backwards. Mm-hmm. And I was watching this with my girlfriend. She's like, well, that's gross. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in the next room over, Chalice and Ellie are fornicating. And she wants it. Like, she's just so hard. She gets out of the shower and puts on like some lingerie while he's out gallivanting about town not really he's like doing detective work even mm-hmm. though remember he's a doctor right but he comes back and she's like bam see something you like and he's like yup he's like let me suck them titties and that's what he does <laughs> it's weird you see tom adkins suck a titty for like 30 seconds and she's just looking at him like like she's she's just glowing like he's an infant yeah i was just gonna suckling. say it's, it's like she's breastfeeding and she's just like oh look at how special he is <laughs> this mustachioed <laughs> man who's like 15 years older than her and they they like make it so it's like just as he's about to pull the boob out his head his head goes forward I hate that. and covers the boob and it's just like atkins bro and then like five minutes later you have to see his ass <laughs> but that's not the first time they're banging when they first get to the hotel he's like so uh, maybe should i get a maybe i should get a separate room because they're posing as a married couple yeah She's like, well, wouldn't that be weird? He's like, well, I mean, you know. Wouldn't that be suspicious? Right. And uh, 
He says, well, you know, maybe I could... I could sleep in the car. Sleep in the car. It'd be better than sleeping on the floor. And she's like, looking over her shoulder at him, like, where do you want to sleep? Where do you want to sleep? Doctor. <laughs> and then he just, like, he just walks up and starts kissing her. Yeah. Just, just It would starts. be really funny if she just, like, walked up and she's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Just starts tongue punching her <laughs> mouth. Do they actually bang there? Yeah, I, man. Oh, I, I mean, it just kind of cuts off after they kiss. It wasn't really. Ah, oh, you know. <laughs> you think Tom Atkins doesn't get it? <laughs> <laughs> you think Tom Atkins doesn't crush ass? <laughs> you know Tom Atkins gets his. He gets that pussy. <laughs> yeah, and then so they bang again that night. And then they wake up in the middle of the night when Marge zaps herself in the face, zaps her fucking face off. And uh, Ellie's like, what was that? He's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then, then he goes, how old are you? <laughs> old enough. To- I was like, shouldn't you have asked her that before you fucked her? Right. <laughs> it's like, that's generally a good rule of thumb. And she, she's like, old enough for this party. <laughs> old enough to fuck. Which, I mean, she came into the bar, so she's at least 18, because this was 82 before the drinking age changed to 21. Yeah. So we know she's at least 18. Thanks, Ronald he's, Reagan. He's probably in his 40s at no, least. George Bush. Sorry. Yeah, at least. So, it's it's gross. It's icky. It's old balls. <laughs> and it's just, like, you know, by and large, I think men that don't necessarily, like, uh, like take their physique into like a high account. Like guys that don't just regularly work out, they generally have like a saggy ass. Like they don't have a nice like formed ass like a woman generally would. Uh, it just kind of hangs there. And it's gross they to look at. That Danny DeVito ass. Yeah. And I mean, add on top of it, a middle aged man, it's just not something you want to look. It's not at. sexy. It's, it's not sexy. But apparently, Ellie's into it. <laughs> Maybe she has daddy issues. Maybe. Her dad got his face broken in half. It's true. She just developed <laughs> daddy issues overnight. <laughs> and just fell into the arms of Tom Atkins. Um, so the next day, Tom Atkins calls up his friend at the... Uh, uh, what's the... Hospital? Is it just the hospital? I thought it was some kind of government agency. Where they're investigating. You know, They're trying to figure out who this guy that blew himself up was. I'm pretty sure it's just a hospital. Okay. Well, he's like, you know, I need you to take a personal interest in this case and I need you to figure this out. And she's like, you're going to owe me so many dinners. And he's like, uh, I would never turn down dinner with you. And I'm like, Atkins is just crushing ass all over town. So much. And he's got an ex-wife with two kids. So, you know, she's putting out. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. No. I mean, maybe. Um, maybe maybe they hate fuck each other. Who knows? <laughs> now, at the beginning, he goes and he brings his kids these absolutely shitty fucking Ben Lee masks. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we don't want that shit. We got silver shamrock, bitch. <laughs> Motherfucker. And he's like, oh, yeah. Well, fuck me. <laughs> Go sit in my car and jerk <laughs> off. <laughs> Uh, 
But so the next day, <laughs> this is all over the place. <laughs> the next day, uh, they go to the factory and the other people staying in the hotel, the uh, Cupfers, Buddy, Betty, and Lil what's Buddy. A, what's a Cupfer? <laughs> for drinking. Stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, Buddy, Betty, and Little Buddy. My brain cells were lost on that one. <laughs> and they go on this tour of the factory. And this is where Tony was talking about the masks that were like unfinished. Mm-hmm. And Buddy's like, I want this one. And they're like, give me money. <laughs> <laughs> but he tells me he can't have that one because it hasn't gone through final processing. He's a creepy little ginger too. <laughs> yeah. How's he, how did they have a ginger baby? Well, you know, the ginger gene skips a generation. <laughs> The ginger gene. You have to marry an Asian woman to, so you can default to, or you can uh, negate it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. But so on this tour, they, you know, you find out that um, Cochran has this whole history of doing, of building pranks and toys and practical jokes and all different kinds of uh, accoutrements, knickknacks, paddywhacks. I don't think that's a thing. Give a dog a bone. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but as they're leaving, Chalice and Ellie notice her dad's car is in one of the garages. And they also see a bunch of guys dressed like the one that killed her dad. And so Chalice is just like, we got to go. <laughs> and so um, that night, Chalice is trying to phone the authorities from the same uh, gas station where Walter passed out and Ellie gets kidnapped by the guys in the suits. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. So Chalice follows him. He breaks into the factory and through a series of events, he discovers that all these guys in suits are actually robots yeah. built by Cochran to work in his factories and do his bidding and they're basically oompa loompas they're more or less oompa loompas <laughs> and then cochran just proceeds to unveil his entire diabolical he plan. starts monologuing it's just the entire thing it's like maybe instead of telling him your whole devious plan for a pat on the back you should just put a bullet in him and be done with it that's exactly what i was thinking the whole time he's like walking him through the backstage of his master plan and he's monologuing about all this stuff that he's going to do and i'm like this guy is a random fucking doctor from california like who cares yeah nobody's gonna miss him except for all the ass that he's crushing (laughs) 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 they're gonna be trying to make booty calls being like why isn't he answering because he's dead (laughs) yeah and so instead of killing him they just put him in a room tie him to a chair slap a mask on him Cochran reveals that he's actually a witch and this whole thing revolves around ancient Irish witchcraft and from the days of like Samhain yeah or Samhain as he says it does he did he he said Samhain yeah and I rolled my eyes and my girlfriend looked at me and I was like I was like he said it wrong she's like maybe and he's he's Irish she goes maybe he said it right I'm like no he fucking didn't stupid tell me I'm wrong (laughs) get out (laughs) get out of my house but they all the chips have a tiny little piece of Stonehenge. This is where the whole thing takes 
a giant left turn. Yeah, the whole Stonehenge thing is really stupid. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and, and and unnecessary. Like you could have said it's some kind of like ancient curse. You don't need to have the Stonehenge element. Yeah. And he's like this he built these fucking robots. Mm-hmm. It's technology. Just say it's technology. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even need the witchcraft element. Yeah. Who gives a shit about witch- witchcraft? Witchcraft is fake. Technology is real. Right. <laughs> Science. But so they put one of these masks on him because at nine o'clock they're going to have the horrorthon and the big giveaway. The horrorthon in which they play Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> Ooh, it's so meta. No, it's not. I don't think that's stupid. Does that count as meta? Somebody will call it meta. Probably. Some idiot. <laughs> <laughs> stupid face. Probably the handlebar mustache. Um, oh, wait, I see what you're doing. It's, wait. A hip, it's a hipster thing. Oh, I see. Never mind. So at 9 o'clock is the big giveaway when they just flash a jack-o'-lantern on the screen and it makes kids' heads turn into bugs and snakes. Yep. Like rattlesnakes. Yeah. And we see this because the Cupfers are the, they're the test subjects. And little Buddy just gets absolutely destroyed. Mm-hmm. His head just turns into mush. Yeah, and it like it literally turns into bugs and snakes, and just this big giant snake comes crawling out of his mouth, and it's icky. Yeah, and then his mom dies from shock, shock, scared she to just, death or something. She just faints, and then she's dead. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, his dad gets bitten by the rattlesnake. Yep, trying which, to escape. Yeah, which isn't really like a death sentence right away, at least. I don't think they were gonna go save him. Sure, but he just died right away. Yeah. And so the reason behind all this is uh, human has, human sacrifice, of course. Naturally. Because witchcraft. Yeah. Because apparently Stonehenge was used for human sacrifice. Yeah. Which I don't think is true. I don't think it is either. I mean, maybe it's true, but I'm pretty sure to this day they still don't know what Stonehenge was used for. Yeah. But so Tom Atkins is able to kick in the screen of a TV. I don't know if you've ever tried to kick in the screen of an old like box TV. Yeah, CRT. They are fucking solid. You will break your foot. <laughs> or more likely kick the TV over. Sure, yeah. But no. Tom Atkins harnesses the power of his mustache and just kicks in this fucking screen. <laughs> mustache power! <laughs> Uses the glass to cut his shackles with, with half an arm throws his mask up onto the camera so no one can see him. Well, I was sitting there watching it last night and my my wife just sitting there with me. I don't think she was paying attention, but she, I, she, he threw the mask up on the camera. I was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> and she, that's when she looks up. Yeah, in one shot. Right. First try. I was like, why don't you free the rest of your arm first? Yeah. Uh, but he, he breaks out and he finds Ellie and he saves her. And then he, you see him grab this box, and they run up to the catwalk. And while the commercials are going, he dumps all the little tokens, the little silver shamrock novelty tags, all over the androids. And they start going off and misfiring and causing this big electrical storm. Mm-hmm. Which didn't make any sense. No, not particularly. It's just like this big electrical circle. I didn't understand it at all. Yeah, it was just like, it generated this big giant lightning circle. And my friend was like, I thought he was going to just dump masks on them. They would all land right on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, clearly he has those kinds of skills. Clearly. 
Uh, meanwhile, Cochran is just like, gives, gives him a little golf clap. Do you think that he could just like drop a condom onto his dick? Atkins? Yeah. I think he does. Yeah. <laughs> he just drops it and it unrolls. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, watch his magic trick, baby. Anyway. Yeah. But, slow clap. Yeah. And then Cochran just kind of disappears like into Stonehenge. He just turns into like a ball of light and then disappears. Yeah. It's just yeah. stupid. And so then Atkins and Ellie, they run to the gas station and he gets on the phone. And he's like, you gotta stop the commercial. This is where Atkins gets a little cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> he just starts screaming and these three trick or treaters show up because, you know, you trick or treat at gas stations. Naturally. And of course, they're all, each one has the mask and they just barge into the gas station and start watching the TV. <laughs> I was like, nobody invited you in. What are you doing, you little shit? Get out. Because <laughs> this is like the back room of the gas station. They yeah. literally just like show up and just barge in and just like, get out of my way. I'm watching TV. <laughs> okay. The, the commercial comes on and Atkins is like, you know, he's screaming on the phone. You got to stop it. And then all of a sudden it stops. And it the says, TV programmer is like, no, <laughs> this is paid for. We have to run it. Yeah. Right. But no, it stops, you know, and it gives some kind of error. And so the kid changes the channel and gets some kind of error, changes the channel again, and it's still going. He's like, you got to stop the third channel. I'm like, I don't think they know how TV works. That's not how it works. No, it's not just one guy in a room who controls all the channels. (laughs) (laughs) Just like at this switchboard with like three buttons. (laughs) Yeah. The three channels. Yeah. Because he says it's still on the third channel. Which one? (laughs) I mean, this is. This predates cable, but still, there were more than three networks back then, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And so you think there's going to be some kind of, you know, maybe the kid starts to, you know, melt or whatever. But no, they just wait a little longer and then stop it. Yeah. And then that's pretty much it. Yep. It just kind of ends suddenly. Yep. So that's... That's a thing. That's Halloween 3, the one without Michael Myers, which caused everyone to go, where's Michael Myers? And so they said, all right, here's the return of Michael Myers. And everyone went, not like that. (laughs) No. (laughs) And it just got worse from there. Actually, 4 wasn't that bad. No. As as far as the ones post 3, those were the best one. Yeah. And then 5, they were like, 4 did well. Make another one now. Yeah. Like, people love Michael Myers. Put Paul Rudd in it. <laughs> Wait. That was, that was six. That was six, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so this movie was pretty critically panned when it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for years after. Like, and still is to this day. But there's this been there's been this upswing lately in like the last five years-ish where people are just like, no. Halloween 3 is good. And I'm like, no, it isn't. I always liked it. <laughs> this movie sucks, dude. It's no, so bad. You're this, wrong. This is stupid. Everything about this is bad. No, you're wrong. No, I'm not wrong. This is I'm so right. This the entire plot is nonsense. And then to have a leading actor like fucking Tom Atkins, get the fuck out of here. See, I have no problem with Tom Atkins. Yeah, it's like I mean, the story like it's good, but then it it just keeps adding things, and you're like, "No, no, you were fine." <laughs> like, 
the you don't need s- to add the witchcraft. You don't need to add the Stonehenge. Like this guy is known for being technical and for making all these pranks and toys and things. That's enough. Yeah. You can end it right there. Even if, because the guy, uh, Buddy, makes this whole statement about how he's like the king of the practical joke. Mm-hmm. What's the ultimate practical joke? You fucking kill somebody. Ha, gotcha. Yeah, kill all the kids. Gotcha. Idiot. <laughs> Look at your stupid face. Yeah, the whole, this whole Stonehenge thing was just abysmal. Like, that was so stupid. That was really ham-fisted. I'll agree with you on that. And like, you know, when he walks him into this back, back room, and you know, we're talking about how like he's just basically revealing his entire evil plot, like a fucking Bond villain. Uh, and he walks him into this giant room where they've just got this giant stone from Stonehenge, and they're just chipping away at it. Yeah, just like little tiny little hammers and, and chisels, just chipping little pieces of rock off. And he's just like, they're getting their rocks off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, this is from Stonehenge. You wouldn't believe what we had to go through to get it here. And I'm just like, oh, I'll bet. <laughs> you don't just walk away with one of those. Yeah. Somebody noticed. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just dumb. Like, I don't, I'm like, I, I, I want to try and like pinpoint certain parts about it that are stupid, but it's just all dumb. Like all of it from, no. from the start. And like the whole witchcraft thing, like human sacrifice. It's like, what? Why? Why witches like even back then didn't want to just sacrifice thousands or millions of people at once. That's ridiculous. Don't be fucking well ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and then I keep coming back to Tom Atkins because he is awful. He's not awful. He's fine. Explain to me why you like this. It's entertaining. Like I said, I agree with you on the Stonehenge thing and I agree with you on the witchcraft thing. But those those are like the major principles of the movie. Those are plot points that but like the the story I feel is entertaining. I like the whole thing with the masks and you know the it's it's kind of the, this mystery that I think is good is entertaining. I like the masks. The masks are cool. I think it's funny how all the kids wear the masks even though they're like completely different costumes. It's like I'm going to be a princess. Oh, with a jack lantern hat. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like or like there was a person dressed up as a witch wearing a jack-o'-lantern mask. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but there's a witch mask. Maybe the, their dad bought the wrong one. Yeah, like stupid fucking, fucking idiot. Deadbeat. No wonder mom left you. <laughs> <laughs> Barry would have bought the right one. <laughs> He's taking me to baseball game this weekend. <laughs> We're going to Six Flags. <laughs> He takes me a r- for a ride in his Camaro. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, when approached about creating a third Halloween film, original Halloween writers John Carpenter and Deborah Hill re- were luck- reluctant to pledge commitment. That makes sense. Oh, but apparently it was their idea to not do a direct sequel to Halloween 2, which meant no Michael Myers. No, not necessarily. You could have made a Michael Myers movie that wasn't a direct sequel. Sure. Yeah. That's dumb. <laughs> dumb, dumb, dumb. I enjoy this movie. I mean, I know some people who are like, it's the best sequel. I don't think that's true. You want to smack them. <laughs> it's like, come here so I can hit you. But I think it's enjoyable. I think, you know, the third act kind of goes off the rails. I'll, I'll give you that. But I think the 
you know, the scene where little buddy gets his face destroyed. I think that's a great scene. The, the best scene in the movie and pretty much the only good one was when Marge blew up her face. And See, that was good too. That was like it. Like even the kid's head melting wasn't even that good. Nah, you're wrong. <laughs> Whatever, man. I find it entertaining. Huh. Jamie Lee Curtis was uncredited as the voice of the curfew announcer and telephone operator. Huh. And oh. Tommy Lee Wallace was the Silver Shamrock commercial announcer. I'll be goddamned. Oh, I'll be goddamned. And Dick Warlock was one of the androids. How about that? How about that? Dick Warlock is a great name. <laughs> it is a good name. Um, yeah. I yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what else to say. Like, I enjoy it. I I agree with you that there's two... The, the plot points are unnecessary at times, but I think the, the story itself is entertaining. I think the movie is entertaining. I don't think Tom Atkins is that bad. Like I said, I don't think he's a great actor. I'm not one of these people who is like, oh my God, Tom Atkins, I must see this. But I think he's fine. I mean, you take a movie like Night of the Creeps where he's just over the top. and But he's playing like this this schlocky, almost kind of noir-ish. Uh, Wait, Night of the Creeps? Sorry. Yeah, Night of the Creeps. Tom Atkins is a Night of the Creeps? You think Night of the Comet? Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Sorry. I always get them mixed up. Um, yeah, Night of the Comet. Um, he's playing like this, yeah, just really schlocky detective who's supposed to be like kind of like this crime drama noir-ish guy, like character. And so his just bad acting and over-the-top-ness uh, is perfect for that role. Uh, and this, it just doesn't work. Like he's bah. he's silly. Bah. I asked my my girlfriend. I was like, "What what do you think of this guy?" She was like, "He's fine. He seems like every other '80s actor." <laughs> so, I guess that's fair. I don't know. And like as a doctor, if that guy walked in, you forget he's a doctor so fast. Oh yeah. Especially because he's an alcoholic and a pervert. <laughs> yeah. Like the only. Real reason he's a doctor is so that he can meet Ellie. Yeah. He could have been anything. He could have been a cop. He could have been a reporter. Yeah. Anything. Like, it actually probably would have made more sense if he was a reporter. Yeah. Because he would have had that, like, in- investigative pull. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, Yeah. I ke- The entire movie, I kept waiting for him to, like, answer the phone and say, throw me. Because <laughs> I just... I got the. T- I keep getting the two roles confused. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I just find very little redeeming about this. Like, I don't. And like, this is not coming from a, like a pro Michael Myers place because you know as well, better than anyone probably, that I'm not precious for Michael Myers. Yeah. Or Halloween in general. I just don't have that uh, that attachment like a lot of people do. Um, w- you know, like whereas I have a big attachment to like Jason. Uh, Voorhees and Friday the 13th. I just, I don't have that at all for Halloween. Sure. So I'm not coming from that place where it's like, this should have had Michael Myers in it. It's like, this movie should just not have been made. I don't want to tell you. I disagree. Well, it's okay to be wrong. Okay. I'm glad you can admit that. No, that's, that's, that's not what I meant. <laughs> anyway. All right. Just give me a fucking number. Two. Six. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're so wrong. We're going to fight. I'm going to take you outside and 
beat you. I'm going to show you how wrong you are. I'm going to take you outside and beat you like a little buddy junior. <laughs> All right. We're obviously not going to reach a compromise on this. There's... <laughs> no, we never were. So let's just move on. All right. Next one is the David Gordon Green directed brand new soft reboot of the Halloween franchise titled Halloween. Testing one, two, three. We're on. We're here to investigate a patient that killed three innocent teenagers on Halloween in 1978. He was shot by his own psychiatrist and taken into custody that night and has spent the last 40 years in captivity. Hello, Michael. I have something you might like to see. Everyone in my family like turns into a nutcase this time of year. Yeah, I mean, your grandmother is Lori Strode. She was almost murdered. Wasn't it her brother who murdered all those babysitters? No, it was not her brother. That's something that people made up. Do you know that I pray every night that he would escape? Who the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. Dad, look out! The bus crashed. Mom, what bus crashed? Michael escaped. Excuse me, somebody's in here. Hello? for this night. He's waited for me. I've waited for him. Get out the room! Get inside! You don't believe in the boogeyman. He's here! Michael! You should. Can you close the closet door? Okay, so this movie is directed by somebody who is predominantly co- comedy or, uh, director and writer and written by a guy who has done almost nothing but comedy his entire career. Yeah. <laughs> How about this was written by the guy who played Red in Pineapple Express? Yeah, this is written by, um, oh, fuck, Kenny Powers. <laughs> You're fucking out. Um, so before we get into the plot, I think it's important to explain best we can when this takes place present day i mean in the franchise right yeah so this is a direct sequel yeah to john carpenter's 1978 first halloween movie sans the last 
10 minutes of the film. Yeah. If that. Five minutes, maybe. Well, not necessarily. Because you don't really... You don't know when they pick him up. I you see him disappear at the end of the first one. They could have picked him up 10 minutes later. Yeah. Was... Am I making this up in my head, or did they talk about like wanting to film a part where they actually showed him getting picked up by the cops? I think they they did want to film that. Okay, yeah. I feel like they should have. That probably would have been nice. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know where it would have fit in, but at the beginning, yeah, I suppose <laughs> you could have done like they did in part two and just literally start right at the yeah. moment the first one ended. Yeah, I mean, like show like the end of uh, the original, you know, where he just falls out the window. Loomis looks and sees that he's gone. You know, Lori, or, uh, yeah, Lori uh, crying in the closet or whatever it was. So like, hey, what's the boogeyman? Show all that. But then jump to outside where the police find Michael Myers and, you know, shoot him and, you know, take him down. And they don't even necessarily have to show the arrest. Just show that he was found. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, and this, this ignores all of the sequels. Mm-hmm. All of them. Even two. Yeah, which is an important distinction to make. I I went and saw this with my dad and his two friends, and I kept trying to explain where this fit in with the franchise, and like it's not that they weren't understanding it. I was just having a hard time like explaining why they did it, and I'm just like I don't. It's like I, I don't know why they did it. Well, yeah, it's like <laughs> if you don't follow things as closely as we do, mm-hmm. you know, being horror podcasters who have to pay attention to this shit, it's gonna be really confusing. Yeah. Like, I tried to explain, uh, like, you know, the Halloween franchise in itself, then, you know, Season of the Witch and how that fits in, and then uh, the Rob Zombie movies, and then this. It's just like, not only does that get confusing, but people that aren't, like, horror fans, like, hardcore people like us, they lose interest. Yeah. I mean, like, people, you know, you're going to understand that this is 40 years after the first one, but you don't necessarily know that all the events of, you know three notwithstanding if of two four five and six don't take place and or, h2o and resurrection right which, all those which none is of that. fine but <laughs> yeah but you know that so the most important part i think is that laurie is still alive yeah um as you anybody who sat through the unfortunate resurrection knows that laurie was previously dead um but no so they've rewritten history uh there was there's Michael is not Laurie's brother, although that's hinted at, at the in the movie, mm-hmm. which is stupid. That was dumb. They should have left that out. Yeah, they should have. Um, but it, it's again, it, it seems like they're trying to explain things as they go along. I guess. Um, so, so this is forty years after the nineteen seventy eight Halloween incident, wherein Michael Myers escaped from Smith's Grove, returned to his hometown of Haddonfield. Murdered, was it five people? Five people. And made some kind of personal attack on Laurie Strode. Um, and instead of disappearing into the night, not to be found until, well, later that night, I guess. <laughs> um, he was picked up by the police, arrested, and sent back to Smith's Grove. Which, why would you send him back to the same place that he escaped from? Yeah, I don't know. But they successfully held him for 40 years. Um, that's when uh, Aaron Corey and Dana Haynes, who are podca- true crime prog- podcasters, so think like serial or mm-hmm. sword and scale, that type of thing. Um, they 
go with the intention of trying to interview Michael, who hasn't spoken in 40 years. It's like, yeah, you're going to be the people that he opens yeah. his mouth to. Um, they uh, they go to Smith's Grove uh, and speak to uh, Dr. Sartain, who's basically like the new Loomis. And this guy is like the Middle Eastern Loomis. Okay, jumping ahead here. They call him the new Loomis. Yeah. That fucking annoyed me so much. Literally everyone in the theater I was in groaned. <laughs> yeah. Lori I... looks at him and he introduces himself and she goes, oh, you're the new Loomis. Mm-hmm. And everyone, oh, yeah, we got that. <laughs> the guy sounds <clears throat> like Loomis. I think he does the voice of Loomis on the tapes. Does, does he? I, th- I mean, well, some of them are obviously Donald Pleasance. Mm-hmm. But I think there's there's a couple parts where it's n- new dialogue, and I'm pretty sure it's this guy doing them. Mm, okay. But it's it felt like that no, moment. No, sorry, it's not. It's not him? No. Oh, okay. That moment felt like they wanted to have Dr. Loomis in this, mm-hmm. but didn't want to recast him, so they made a new doctor. And so they were like, just so you know, this is the new Loomis. Well, you know, they got Terrence Stamp. No, not Terrence Stamp. Um, Nick Castle? No, in, in the zombie who- movie. Oh, um, Malcolm McDonald Thank or McDowell. You. Thank you. I I always get Terrence Stamp and Malcolm McDowell mixed up because they're both old British guys. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. So, you know, they they got Malcolm McDowell for the zombie movies, which is makes sense because it's a complete reboot. Yeah, it's its, its own thing. Um, or remake. Um, but if they were to recast Loomis in this. It would have been stupid. Like, people would have been upset. Probably. Um, Especially when you go out of your way to get Jamie Lee Curtis back, to get even Nick Castle back, although he's in one fucking scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stupid. Why bother? Yeah. Um, so they uh, they go and they uh, speak to Dr. Sartain, um, like who was Michael's, been Michael's doctor. He was a, uh, a protege of Dr. Loomis, mm-hmm. uh, and he's been in Michael's care, or Michael has been in his care in for 40 years um and uh you know he's talking to uh aaron and dana and says you know he hasn't spoken to anyone in 40 years uh he's spoken to numerous or numerous doctors have met with him over the years including myself and just nobody has been able to get him to open up um so good fucking luck yeah and also michael is being transferred to another facility which is like maximum security lockdown. Why it took 40 years yeah, for that say, to happen. What's what changed? Like, yeah. why now? They basically say, you know, like, oh, well, we're tired of dealing with him. So yeah. now we're going to transfer him to this other facility. And it's like, no, he should have been there the whole time. Yeah. And like, what, why, what do you mean? Well, I didn't actually say that, but like, if that was the case, what deal with what? He's on lockdown 24 hours a day. He's not a different, he, yeah, he, he seemingly hasn't had an incident in 40 years. Yeah, he doesn't talk to anyone. Maybe he doesn't even have a bowel movement. Who knows? <laughs> like, um, but uh, so they take him out to this chessboard. Or I don't know why that's there. I don't either. That was so fucking Tim Burtony, right? <laughs> uh, like I got a lot of Kubrick from this. Yeah, especially this scene. And I'm maybe Green is a uh, uh, Kubrick fan. I don't. I don't know. But so there's this giant checkerboard thing. Uh, out in the like the activities yard, there's about half a dozen guys chained to these giant cinder blocks, including Michael. And you know they've got he's got probably about a um, would you say about a ten foot yellow square around each of them. Yeah, that they're it's a line they're not allowed. Nobody's allowed to cross because that's that's where the chain is. 
So Aaron goes out and he's like, hello, Michael. I'd like to interview or I'd like to talk to you. And Michael's probably like thinking, well, I don't know you. So I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> um, but just, What fucking gall? Like he hasn't talked to anyone in 40 years. Why would he fucking talk to you? Yeah. So when Michael doesn't talk, he's like, well, I borrowed a, uh, uh, a, something, I borrowed something from a friend in the attorney's, attorney's general, attorney office. general and he pulls out the mask. He's what? like, Hey, I got this piece of evidence from a crime scene. Right. <laughs> what? Yeah. Attorney general's not gonna let you take that. It's like, also, I mean, this thing looks like it has aged with Michael. Yeah. It looks like a mask of an old William Shatner. Right. Um, Although William Shatner looks better than this mask. It's like, which is ridiculous because if you've seen the original mask who like, a, like some collector owns it, it looks nothing like this. Yeah. And I, that was well, as well preserved as it possibly can be. <laughs> a vinyl or not vinyl. What's Late, it made of? Latex. Latex mask is, is not going to hold up this well for 40 fucking years. No, it gets dried out. It cracks. Especially when he just pulls it over his head later in the movie and nothing happens. Like, I have a mask that my... Well, actually, I don't think I have it anymore. But there was this old mask my dad had when he was younger than I am now um, that I had when I was a kid. And uh, so, I mean, that would put it at about 30 years old, roughly. And the thing was, like, starting to, like, crack. And, like, I, I couldn't put it over my head because, like, if I tried to open up the neck hole, it would start to rip. Mm-hmm. It's just like, this is horse And, like, all the paint on it started chipping off and... Like, no, that's not how masks work. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I'm not going to poke holes in mask mechanics. Um, Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> More than I already have. Um, so, oh, that's much. Oh, okay. I was getting uncomfortable. Um. Okay, so he pulls up the mask and says, hey, look at this. You can feel man. it. You can f- feel the mask. It's like he wore it for one night. <laughs> what does that mean, feel the mask? <laughs> he doesn't have a connection to it. It was just to hide his identity. It's like, that was the thing in like Rob Zombie's movie. He wore it when he was a kid. And so he came when he came back, he put it on again. And so it was like a legacy type thing. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, again in Halloween 2, which was awful, but or H2. Um, but in this, yeah, he, he it was a mask that he stole and put on for one night and then never saw it again. Yeah. Presumably. I mean, in, in this iteration. Yeah, but they almost make it seem like the mask has a power over him or something. <laughs> and all the guys in the yard are just like, one guy starts barking and they're all like freaking out. Yeah. It's like, what is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> So uh, then it seems like that was like supposed to be like the tagline. Michael, feel the mask. <laughs> I'm going to put on T-shirts. Feel the mask. So Aaron and Dana leave after surprise, surprise, not getting a word out of Michael. Oh. Um, they go to Lori's house, which is just a fortress. Yep. It's on lockdown. Yeah. She's got a steel gate. Uh, she's got. It's, it looks like a river, but it looks like a moat. <laughs> it's I mean, it's essentially a moat. It's basically a moat, yeah. And, uh, you know, the house itself is 
pretty basic. It just looks like a typical house you'd find out in the woods, but um, no, it's got fortification that you can't even see until it's activated. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's got floodlights surrounding the property. Um, she's got bars on the windows and like four different deadbolts. Yeah. So Big she bar that goes over the door. She lets them in because only because they said that they would pay her $3,000. Right. <laughs> and, uh, she tells them very little more than Michael did. Yeah. She, like they, they go in and say like, uh, well, so, you know, it's 40 years since, since the attack, uh, you know, since Michael killed all, all your family or not your family but your friends and um you know other people and uh just basically telling her all these things she doesn't she already she knows, already knows yeah like things that happened to her and basically that's what she tells him she's like you clearly already know everything why the fuck are you here yeah and she's like well and then fucking dana she's like and then they took your daughter away how did that make you feel <laughs> And that's when Lori just kind of shuts down. She's like, well, I never got my daughter back. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. But you knew that. Yeah. And that's when she kind of gets there. They said, well, they're transferring him today. And she's like, yeah, I know. It's like, seven o'clock. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I fucking know. I know all this stuff. Why are you here? And then, you know, it gets to a point where she's just like, okay, it's time for you to leave and gets up and opens the door and insists upon her three thousand yeah, dollars money please <laughs> <laughs> so they leave all they leave Lori's house with fuck all to show for it um and uh it's around that time that we're introduced to uh shit karen karen thank you um Lori's daughter played by judy greer uh and her husband uh ray yep who's played by fucking Toby Huss. Artie, the strongest man in the world. <laughs> I mean, I love Toby Huss. Like, he's he's hilarious in every comedic role I've seen him in. I just don't know what he was doing in this. I think he was comic relief. Maybe. More or less. Um, I got peanut butter on my penis. <laughs> and also, their daughter, Allison, um, who... She, she she's getting some kind of award, and I didn't really follow what it was. I didn't either. I think it, it sounded like it was some kind of writing award. Okay, she's she's. It like, was pretty inconsequential. She yeah she it's, she's represented as like some kind of exceptional student, um, and uh, it's coming up on the Halloween dance, and there's that's a big hubbub, um, hullabaloo, <laughs> uh, and uh, they. They they go to dinner and they've invited Lori and like you you can tell that Judy or not Judy Greer, <laughs> um, Karen uh, does not have a relationship with Lori. I mean we we already know that she's been she was separated at, at twelve years old mm-hmm. I think, um, and uh, was never. Yeah, I mean child services came and took her away. Yeah, because uh, Lori was teaching her how to shoot guns and defend herself mm-hmm. and basically like, you know, raising her as this, um, Survival. doomsday prepper kind yeah, of essentially. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she's just grown up resenting Lori for all of it. Uh, she's never seen the point. She's just, she sees, um, Michael Myers as this, I mean, boogeyman. boogeyman yeah. It's just like, it's, it's something. Well, like, yes, that is the boogeyman. <laughs> uh, something to scare children, uh, that has not a thing that has not been a threat in 40 years. And has she has no belief that he ever will be a threat again. But 
in the transfer, um, Michael and a bunch of uh, other uh, inmates are loaded onto a bus along with Dr. Sartain, who says he wants to join Michael. He wants yeah, to, yeah, he sure wants to see Michael to the next facility. Um, this unfortunate man and his kid find the bus abandoned on the side of the road with all the prisoners walking away. But one prisoner is missing. Take a guess. Yes. <laughs> but on the bus is Dr. Sartain, who seems like he's fine. Like the, the two cops that were on the bus are dead, um, brutally murdered. Dr. Sartain is fine until the kid shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he, so the kid goes back to the car to call the cops or something. Just kind of to compose himself, I think, because he yeah. just shot a man. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just, it's just now occurring to me, this is a brand new movie, so I can't really spoil a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, okay, I'll just sum up and say, okay, Michael escapes, um, he tracks down Aaron and Dana. Um, finds- no, hang, hang on a second. Um, but before, like, as Michael's getting loaded onto the bus, you see that Lori is like, she's sitting in her car with a gun. Yeah. And she, she doesn't actually do anything, but then she joins Karen and Allison and Ray and Allison's boyfriend, Cameron at their dinner. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and she starts like, she starts breaking down crying and she's like, I saw him. This is another groan-worthy moment where she goes, I saw him, the shape. Yeah. They never called Michael the shape. No. That was in the credits only. Yeah. It was like- Never uh, in the movie was he called the shape. It's like when Pinhead, before he was named Pinhead, was called Hell, Hell Priest. Priest. yeah. Or lead Cenobite. Um, yeah. It's stupid. But he at least became Pinhead in the, in the um, sequels. Yeah, once- Even in the sequels, they never called Michael the shape. No. So I was like, at that moment, I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, I don't know if that's supposed to be some kind of fan service or what, but that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah. Uh, it would have made more sense if she called him the boogeyman. Yeah. Because that's how she's lived her life, knowing him. Yeah. Anyway, so he Michael finds Dana and Aaron uh, at a gas station where he conveniently finds a mechanic who is just the right size. <laughs> um, just like every other fucking Halloween movie, yeah. always managed to find a jumpsuit. Even zombies. Yeah. Um. And uh, steals a steals the jumpsuit and finds a mask in Aaron's trunk, and then proceeds to kill both of them brutally. Nesgoda was like, "This is how I picture you and Tony dying in a horror movie in a disgusting bathroom." It's like, "What the fuck does that mean?" <laughs> Hold on, <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Yeah. It's like, why? What? You- yeah. What? Why are you under the impression we only use dirty bathrooms or something? <laughs> and why is he under the impression we would die? <laughs> Do you have that little faith in us? Apparently. I mean, he's already killed me, but three times now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Asshole. Just for that. No more rat porn. How about that? <laughs> Fuck you, Kevin. <laughs> um... So, yeah, and then Michael, you know, finds his way back to Haddonfield uh, and uh, starts stalking. I don't know if it's supposed to be like the same street or what, but he just finds some random street. Starts going door to door pretty much. Which is cool, but why? Because he's just a killing machine. 
I never bought into that. That's the whole thing that they were trying. To, well, they were trying to like rehammer that home. Is that he was just this mindless killing machine? Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. That's why. I like that's why I like Halloween too. That's why I like Rob Zombie's one because it gave a purpose. Like I don't. I don't like just like uh, like take like the strangers where you know Liv Tyler says, "Why are you doing this to us? <laughs> why are you doing this to me?" <laughs> and he says, "You were home." That's stupid. Fuck that. That's no, dumb. see, I I disagree. I like that. Yeah, I'm okay with with you know not knowing why he's doing this. I just it's just a, a you know he just enjoys killing. That's just it. That's enough. My problem with this one though is they get rid of the whole reason he was going after Lori, which was that they were brother and sister, and he you know he obviously he killed his previous sister. Yeah. So now he was, but they still have the plot point where he's exclusive. Well, not exclusively, but directly going after Lori. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, wait, you can't get rid of the reason and still have the thing, still yeah, have yeah. the MacGuffin. Yeah, he, he just, he makes it a point to go from, escape from Smith Grove, or Smith Grove, Smith Grove uh, transport, make it all the way back to Haddonfield. Sure, he's from Haddonfield, but whatever. And then stock Lori. Well, actually, Lori goes for him. Lori purposely seeks him out, but then... Kind of retreats to her fortress. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so actually, you know what? But he still like follows her, and he goes exclusively for her, as opposed to just keeping on doing what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, if he's just yeah supposed to be a mindless killing machine, it's like you wouldn't think he'd like care take a take a grudge, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then he starts. You know, he he tracks down Allison and starts chasing after her. Um. Yeah, I, I mean that's without like revealing, you know, important plot details. I think that's kind of as far as we can go. Yeah, more or less. So, I'm torn. I think the movie's fine. I don't think it's this amazing piece of cinema that people are making it out to be. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think it's a piece of shit like some other people are making it out to be. Yeah, I think it's fine. It feels overall. Like a Halloween movie, there are certain points um, that are that I have problems with. Without saying when it is or anything, there's a scene that's kind of like a hide and seek, where Michael is the one hiding, mm. and I'm like, I don't think Michael would ever do that. No, he's not that cunning. Like he just comes at you. Yeah, he's a killing machine. Yeah, and I like mean, I said, I don't like the thing where they, you know, they kept the MacGuffin of Laurie as this person that he has to kill, mm-hmm. but they get rid of the reason why. Oh, so yeah, it's like, like she's the one that got away, like anybody with... Even if that was the reason, say that, and that's fine. Sure. Say, you know, oh, he's going after Laurie because he, she's the one that got away. She's the one he didn't kill before. But if he is just out there to kill without any other reason or purpose, he, he, he wouldn't, wouldn't care. care. Yeah, he would just kill everybody. He was like... Indiscriminately. Michael is kind of punk rock in that way. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, fuck it. I'm killing everyone. Yeah. Dead bodies everywhere. So where I stand is kind of similar. It's like, yeah, this is fine. Halloween 2 is better. I agree. Rob Zombies is better. Mm, I don't know if I agree. No. I'm not saying I disagree, but I don't know if I agree. Yeah. Uh, this is not better than the original. I agree. Um, but it's better than all the other ones. I agree. So I'd, I'd say, 
as far as superiority, and I am of the very small minority that think that likes Rob Zombie's movie better than the original. I I know that not many people agree with me, and I know that's blasphemy in the eyes of a lot of people, but I don't care. <laughs> um, you know what? Thi- one thing that always drove me fucking nuts about Michael Myers fans or just Halloween fans in general. It's like so many people hated Tyler Maine as as Michael Myers because he's just like this huge brute, just like this almost inhuman like Goliath yeah. playing Michael Myers. It's like in the first movie where Michael Myers, before he had any other like before it got into like supernatural you know stuff and you know before he had this legacy built up, he was a normal sized guy. Who managed to one arm lift a guy of about equal size up off the ground and stick him to a wall with a kitchen knife? Yeah. Doesn't that make more sense if he's like six foot seven? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> that, that just always drove me nuts. And he did the same shit in this mm-hmm. when he's like 60 years old. <laughs> like, fuck off. Get out of here. Um, another thing, and I. I hope this it's so inconsequential. So if it's a spoiler, it doesn't really matter. But Cameron, the boyfriend, mm-hmm. he's like this good dude until he's not yeah. <laughs> like, I thought he was going to just be like cannon fodder to make us feel for Allison. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden at the dance, he gets drunk and kisses another girl. And she's like, you know, starts telling him he's got this drinking problem. And I'm like, Oh, Okay, apparently he has a drinking problem. This wasn't ever mentioned before. Yeah, you know, at the beginning. And there was times when they could have addressed that. Like mm-hmm. When they were at dinner, he could have been like eyeing the wine or something, you know? Sure, yeah. I mean, he uh, when he's first introduced, he's, he kind of seems like kind of like this Chad. His He's actually the son of one of the bullies from the first movie, from the 78 movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, Lonnie. And I should actually mention um, that... Uh, um, fuck... Why can't I remember his name? Who? The cop. Oh. Um, Will Patton. Oh. He, he plays Frank Hawkins, who was actually a deputy Hawkins, yeah. the night that Michael was arrested. And do you do you recall, was that character in the original? Yeah. Okay. okay I thought so, but I just, names escape me. I mean, that's, that's obvious <laughs> at this point. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting because... When, so Lori kind of know Lori knows that Michael's escaped, and so she goes looking for him. Uh, Frank knows that he's escaped and is going; he's gone looking for him with Doctor Sartain. Um, and they they meet up at at one point, and like like there's no like issue, there's no like uh controversy there. They know that they're both out to do, do the same thing, and so and they were both there that night. They know what's at stake, and so they both are kind of working towards the same goal. You know, whereas, you know, in most situations, a cop would be like, you need to let the police handle this. Yeah. But he's like, no, I was there that night. I, I know what this man's capable of. So, Which is very Loomis. Yeah. Yeah, he he does. I mean, he, he kind of plays a combination of Loomis and Brackett. Yeah. Um, There's a, a kind of polarizing scene with Sartain. I think you probably know the scene I'm talking about. Um, yeah. What do you think of that scene without giving away? What I thought it was stupid. It was stupid. Okay, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was stupid too. I was, and like, 
the people that were in the theater with me, I feel like they were kind of nobody really like seemed to be super into it. Yeah, it wasn't like they didn't groan like at other parts, but it was just kind of like oh, that's what what's happening. There's one point where I won't I won't get into too many details, and I'll try to be as delicate as I can. Where Michael is kind of used as a tool, he's kind of like trying like. He's trying to be steered into a certain direction, or he pointed like a weapon almost, mm-hmm. and that was dumb. Yeah, it's like I don't think Michael like weaponized uh, Michael. Yeah, that was, that was idiotic. Which um, again, if he's this mindless killing machine, he's not going to be used that way. He's just going to kill everybody. Granted, he was incapacitated, so uh, to a certain degree, he couldn't do sure. anything about it. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot wrong with this. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think it's, you know, people that I've talked to that were like super excited about it. They're like, what do you think? And I was like, it was fine. And they're like, really? That's mm-hmm. it? It's fine? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's it's not amazing. Yeah. It's But it's not it's not shit. It's not terrible. It's fine. It's a Halloween movie. Like it, like I said, for most of it, it feels like a Halloween movie, which sure. is an accomplishment for, you know, for Green. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got big shoes to fill and he's got Carpenter looking over his shoulder the whole time. Yeah, I think Carpenter was there for a check, though. Well, probably. I mean, I actually saw an interview recently with Carpenter where he said, I'll do anything for money. I believe it. <laughs> See, you know, Friday the 13th, uh, you know, in Sean Cunningham. I love Friday the 13th. I think Sean Cunningham's a prick. <laughs> I think John Carpenter is 1,000 times a bigger asshole than Sean Cunningham. <laughs> anyway. You look like you're excited to say something. Um, they changed the fucking music. <laughs> they did. It's, it's essentially the same, but it's they... essentially the same, which makes it even point more pointless that they changed it. Well, you know, Carpenter did it. I know, and I don't get it. <laughs> it's literally like the original goes dun 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 dun. This one goes dun 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 dun. Why? I don't know, man. But you kind of sound like Vanilla Ice trying to differentiate between Ice Ice Baby and... One goes one, pressure. two, three, one, two, three. The other one goes one, two, one, two. They took out that last beat, and I, it doesn't have a purpose. Like, just keep it the same. All right. It's one of the things where if you're going to change it, change it. You know, make it obvious that you changed it. Sure. Don't have the same music with one slight little change. There's no fucking point. <laughs> it's change for the sake of change. I mean, I know the songs have different titles. Do they? Yeah. Um, that doesn't that, that now you're playing it off as a new song, which it clearly isn't. Well, it's like one of them's called "The Shape Returns." I don't know if that's no, a that's new a different one. song. That's one that goes dun, da dun, dun, da dun. Mmm. You're right. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter to me anyway. <laughs> I I like when it started playing in the opening credits. I was like, wait. What's going on? Why is this different? <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. some of the, like, there's little, you know, little uh, pieces of fan service in there where they like, they, you know, they have trick-or-treaters who are dressed up like the Halloween three. Right. Mention that. And, you know, and then like the mentioning though, oh, weren't they brother and sister? Oh, that was just a rumor. Yeah. That was just some, some things that people made up to, uh, to make sense of it all. Fuck you. <laughs> 
Like I, I know even Carpenter was like, oh, I regret doing that. I'm like, why? It was so good. It fit so well. It made sense. It gave a justification for why Lori was specific. Like, I don't need a I don't need the Rob Zombie backstory. But, you know, they're for giving a reason why he was specifically hellbent on Lori specifically. Mm. Yes. It made sense to give it a reason. Sure. Like I said, and then in this one, you took out the reason, but kept the action. Yeah. And that just doesn't make any sense. See, I mean, you know, granted whether or not you thought it was a good idea to make multiple sequels to this, that's kind of neither here nor there. Fact is they did. Giving that connection between Laurie and Michael as siblings gave it a purpose. Like like you said, it, it gave something to drive the story. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, again, I think I'm of the small minority that thinks Halloween 2 is, 2 is better than the original. I and I enjoy Halloween two immensely more than the first one. Yeah, I mean, you can't say, "Oh, he's a mindless killing machine." Who is specifically after this one woman? Yeah, that's silly. It's like, well, that doesn't sound very mindless to me. It sounds like bad writing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, like, I am uh, unforgiving just because in the past, like, I ha- I bear a serious grudge against. John Carpenter because he's talked so much shit about every other slasher movie Uh, naming Friday the 13th like by name and so ever since then I've just been like you know what fuck you man (laughs) your movie's not that good in fact it's it's not as good as a lot of other slashers out there so fuck you and your goddamn movie go to hell (laughs) so yeah ever since then just every time uh, John Carpenter's kind of blown his own horn just like go to hell. Uh, anyway, that uh, that's a thing that happened. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, credit to to Green for you know finding that tone and that feeling of the the Halloween movies. You know, so cool. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, they're already talking about a sequel. Of course they are. McBride says they've already been asked to do it. He said they wanted to do them two in a row. But they were like, let's wait and see, because people might fucking hate this. Yeah. But, you know. It's made $100 million. It's going to get a sequel. Oh, yeah. They make sequels. Blumhouse makes sequels to movies that make a fraction of that. Yeah. Granted, they're they're cheaper to make than this one. Like, what was the, be- what was the budget for this? Um, 10, 10 to 15 million, somewhere in there, compared to the typical five for a Blumhouse movie. So yeah. three times the budget. On the high end. Anyway, yeah. um, I don't know. Do you have anything to uh, anything else to add? Um, the ending made me think of part four. I don't know if that's intentional, but and we can talk about that off mic if you want. Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can see it. I just don't know if it was necessarily going that direction. Yeah, like I said, I don't know if that was even intentional, but that's what popped into my head. I kind of. I didn't get the ending, not not the very end, but like kind of like the ending scene. I didn't get it. I thought it was dumb. Okay. And all, everything that went into that effort, like leading up to that final point, was dumb. But we can talk about that later. Um. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think they should have put this after part two yes 
They should have replaced Halloween 3 and had, yeah, Halloween 1, Halloween 2, Return of Michael Myers, and then Halloween 3, the re-return of Michael Myers. Wait, so you think they should have kept a return of part 4? No. Wait, is it just Halloween 2? Yeah. That's right. Halloween 4 is Return of Michael Myers. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so. uh, So yeah, 1, 2, and then this, and then you can forget 4, 5, 6. That's fine. That's fine fine with that. That's all right. But I mean, Paul Rudd might be a little sad. And Daniel Harris. Daniel Harris was 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 upset. upset. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's like, come on. Come on. (laughs) You know those movies were bad. You knew what this was. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can see her being sentimental because it started her career, but. Yeah. Still. Anyway. um, Yeah, I think that's it for me. Uh, Shit, I feel like I I had something there and then I lost it. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Okay. Number? Uh, I'll be generous. Seven. All right. I'm thinking six. See, yeah, yeah, I was between six and seven. I decided to be generous today. Yeah. It's it's not bad. I mean, no, it's not at all. And it's it, like you like you said, like it's been said multiple times during this review. It's it's a Halloween movie. Yeah, it fits in well. I just. Didn't think it was all that great. I'm not sure where they would go with the sequel, but I guess that's for them to figure out. I mean, watching the first one the first time, would you have expected what it, where it went in Halloween 2? Yeah, not necessarily. I think they're, they're good at those kinds of things when they want to make money. <laughs> I think this is probably on par with H2O. I mean, it's, it's a, kind of a similar concept, you know, H2O sure. was, you know, bringing the franchise back after 20 years and it was, you know, bringing Lori back and having her, you know, reintroduced into the franchise and into the world of Halloween and Michael Myers. So it's kind of, you know, a similar idea. Um, I don't know. No, I, I get it. This is, I think, much better than uh, H2O, though. I think this is better. I don't know if I would say much better. I mean, at least it didn't have a Josh Harden. <laughs> well, this is true. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap things up for us. Yeah, we got to go party. Yeah, I got to go take a shower. I thought you were going to say shit. I might need to take a shit, too. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. Shit, shower, and shave. But No, I, I have to go I have to shave all this off. Oh, you're going to shave it all off? Yeah. Cause, I mean, because I got to All pay- of it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I got to shave. Or, I mean, I got to paint like my mouth area, so it's just not going to work out with that. Tony's gonna be Papa Shango. I'm not gonna be Papa Shango. You should have been Papa Shango. I don't want to be Papa Shango. Oh, that would Shango. be so good. I'm not gonna be Papa Shango. You're basically Papa Shango. I'm never gonna be Papa Shango. You're more or less Papa Shango. <laughs> I hate you. Um, okay. So yeah, that's uh that's the end of uh Octoberama too. Yeah. This has been a long month, guys, and we thank you very much for joining us. You know, something we didn't mention in uh Week of the Zombie was this is five years for us. That's right. We've been doing this a long time. Uh it's been uh, a lot of ups and downs, but mostly up and you know, we we're continuing to grow as a show, as a brand, and we're trying to constantly bring you guys more and more um, you know, stuff. So uh we're very speaking th- of oh Plot Film Fest tickets are on sale right now. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. We had a pre-sale to our patrons who we did not mention. 
We haven't mentioned them on any of the minisodes, so I think you're okay. We haven't? <laughs> nope. Oops. <laughs> Sorry, you guys don't get minisodes. You got to pay more for that. That's <laughs> <laughs> the next tier. Uh, okay. Um, anyway. Yeah. So um, available on our website, right? Or graveplatfilmfest.com. Probably either one, yeah. Um, check it out. February 2nd is the big day, guys. So if you're in the Seattle area or want to visit the Seattle area, um, it's very cold in February. So (laughs) So bring a coat. (laughs) It's also the day before the Super Bowl. Yep. Anyway, um, yeah. So, yeah, five years in, guys. Uh, It's been uh, exciting. We're glad you're joining us on the adventure. Sure. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Sentimental. That sappy bullshit. Sentimental bullshit. Um. We're going to be back next week. Oh, God. Because it never never ends. ends. (laughs) Uh, What are we talking about, Taylor? Uh, We're going to be talking about Suspiria and uh, Extremity. The new one from Dread Central. All right. So uh, catch up with us then, guys. Until then, Taylor, where can they find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com, wherever else you find your podcasts. Uh, they can catch us on Instagram and Facebook as Grave Plot Podcast. Join our Facebook group, The Graveyard. Follow us on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. And if you would like some exclusive content, head over to patreon.com slash Grave Plot Podcast. Yeah. So we'll be back next week, guys. And then after that, back to our regular schedule. Yeah. Thank, Thank Christ. Um, so we'll see you next time, guys. Till then, I'm Skeletony. I am Taylor of Terror. And this has been The Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Happy Halloween, guys. Happy Halloween. Oh, mm-hmm.